All right. So if my sound looks good, Kevin. Can you hear me? No. Nope. Can you hear me? Gonna... Nobody can hear me. All right. All right. Oh, uh, did we lose Kevin again? Damn it. Damn it. Kevin dropped fuck? out. Punch. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin just got disconnected. Ah, <laughs> oh, mother. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer show that treats Kill Team Arena as the next Imperial Agents book. We'll be talking about that later. <laughs> Bold declaration. That's a, that's also a, a deep cut for anyone who's listened to us over the last few years. Um, but, uh, all right, anyway, I'm Rob. I'm Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And this is episode 193, and we won't be reviewing a book or a, you know, a codex or anything uh, but we will be talking about some of the units in the game because this is going to be the first episode of what we currently have the working title of uh, Datasheet Doctors, wherein we're going to look at some of those units that we would love to see on the tabletop and just didn't make it. This time we're going to be focusing mostly on Space Marine units. We took a kind of an impromptu survey and... There were a few units that came up more, far more often than others. There are Space Marine units that aren't as good as other ones? Yeah. I am shocked, I tell you. you are I, I was not aware of this. <laughs> Kevin, where were you in all the other previous editions where we went over best in slots? Yeah, no, I remember those too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of like overall, I don't think any Space Marine units actually got discussed during those. I'm trying I think to- we talked about... Yeah, I don't remember. That. Yeah, don't remember. Okay, we, didn't, we didn't talk about them much because they were all they were all like solid. They're all solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll be getting to that when we get to our main topic. First, as always, news, new releases, and your listener mail. And obviously, the big news was Adepticon was last weekend. Yes, and uh, obviously there was the Adepticon's Champs tournament. Congratulations to Jim Vassell for winning with uh, a Chaos Demon Soup. List uh, versus, I think, Stephen Four, who was playing Gene Steeler cults. Yeah. How much Slanesh was in his soup? Absolutely none. I am sad. There was Nurgle and <laughs> Corn and Zinch, and no Slanesh for you. It's coming. We'll get new. That's Slanesh the actually out. the other yeah. the other news <laughs> <laughs> news new releases, especially from the Age of Sigmar side. But it applies to uh, 40k yeah. as well. They, I think they've said they're going to put out some. St- I think someone asked if there was more stuff coming for Slanesh for 40k and they and someone on their community team said yes. Yeah. So. Okay, I will get a little more excited then. But we're getting finally the Marines confirmed. I'm sorry. Finally the <laughs> the uh the greater demon quartet is going to be complete. There's a new plastic keeper of secrets model which looks looks pretty it, good. It does. It really does. Yeah. I I mean, I still really like the um creature caster ones but yeah. i'd say this one fits the theme that gw has made for all of the demonettes and stuff and it just looks nice it would match in with zarachniel and the demonettes and yeah. everything so good job and GW. it's it's a it's decently tall too from from what i've somebody's done like side to side by sides of like based on base size of like that versus like the great and clean one and the blood bloodthirster and mm-hmm. the um lord of lord change, of change. Lord of change. 
Zinch was messing with my brain. And yeah. I couldn't remember for a second. Change, change what you're going to yeah. say. Uh, but yeah, the, it, it, it will scale nicely with yeah. the rest of the, the greater demons. So it's about time that we can ret- retire Ooh. that old cow headed. <laughs> I don't even know what that one yeah, I don't, was. I don't know that I've ever actually seen the metal one. I, I back, have one. I have one that is. I don't like know that pain. I've ever actually seen it. You're not missing much. Right. Back when we first were getting into this and I started buying my demonettes and stuff, I saw it and I left it on the shelf. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah, is, awful. like, the, the whole bullheaded motif has been a, a Slanesh thing since, like, second edition, where there, the keeper of secrets there was. I mean, this is back in second edition, so everything was scaled much smaller. Mm-hmm. So it was like basically the size of maybe what a dreadnought is now. And it had it like a full on like Minotaur style bull head on it. Yeah. And then one boob hanging out because Slanesh. Right. But you know, it's, uh, yeah, they, we, they've come a long way since then. And yeah, the, no, the new Keeper of Secrets looks fantastic. A new mask model as well that's going to be in plastic. I still really like the old mask. I mean, I'll probably get this it, one. It, maybe use it for a herald. It or looks something, but it, yeah. it looks good. It's got a nice dynamic pose to it. Yeah, you know, it's it's fine. It's it's good. Oh, totally fine. Yeah. So, um, th- actually, there wasn't a ton announced for uh, 40k at Adepticon. No. The other thing they did announce was we're getting a new version of Apocalypse. Yes. That's going to be like a big box set, and the big thing is, uh, it looks like it uses different dice. Like, it's not just straight up D6s. There are other dice involved. And rather than, and, uh, units, like troop units and such, are going to be used with movement trays. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. I'm, I, I think it's going to be like you, you pull whole units at a time right. rather than you're, you're dealing I mean, with units as like a single block, block model yeah. rather than individual models. Yeah. It's kind of, it kind of sounds more like we're going to do, uh, apocalypse based off of like what old epic used to be yeah or the focus on the titans and the everything big and if you're small well one shot's gonna just yeah because like a warlord titan shoots a unit of infantry you're 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 all dead (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but it'll make hopefully it would make a epoch go faster though because that's one of the things go slower no you can't (laughs) it would be very difficult (laughs) well you say that and then there's there's games like the world war ii game uh, or or yeah but anyway yeah. we yeah. got through a turn of that yeah. <laughs> I, I think i'd mm. take a wait and see approach on this one for me because i don't play much apoc to start with uh-huh so i'd probably want to see what the box has see what the new rules are before i wanted to decide if yeah. i want to jump into this yeah it's, it's very light on details with this and I'd, yeah. I'd be kind of hoping that since apoc needs a lot of people that maybe only one or two people in a group would need the box and everyone else could just Nope, every, no, everybody, everybody has to buy one. <laughs> everybody has to bring it. Well, and I imagine we'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to uh, just stick that in and twist yeah, it right yeah. now. <laughs> but uh, I imagine you will, if you want to play APOC seriously, you will have to buy movement trays yeah. or get them 3D printed. You know people have... Well, people have already been 3D printing oh, yeah, movement yeah. trays for like orcs and guard yeah. up in, you know, so far, so... It just sounds like GW is just going to embrace that and roll yeah. with it. Um, not a whole lot of new details on Sisters, although they did show like the CAD work for a new Seraphim model. Yeah. Which looks yeah. not, I mean, it looks, it's a more dynamic, and the Seraphim were already decently dynamic on a couple of, in a couple of the models, but they had the weird flight 
JPEG metal thing coming. Yeah. Like their feet were attached to the ground the via legs were like straight. Yeah, straight down. Yeah. No, it's um. What are what are Celestines? The Gemini. Uh, the Gemini. It's it's very similar to that, which yeah. is a very cool. Yeah, aesthetic. I think they they pointed out the Gemini have like an like each side of their jetpacks has like an extra vent compared to the normal Seraphim, but otherwise it's yeah it's very much the same design aesthetic. So which still keeps with the design aesthetic from the old sisters. So yeah. Uh, it yeah I th- I th- think the sisters army is going to look good. Also they've got their uh, their big community. Uh, like the community survey, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to do another one of those this year, starting April fifteenth. Uh, and apparently, one lucky s- uh, survey applicant, so, you know, is going to win a Sisters Army just built nice. of the new Sisters models when they're oh, released. Man. That is a cool wow. prize. So at first, I thought you were going to say a trip to Nottingham. But. Well, <laughs> that would also be good, but I don't, I don't know. G-Dub, if we're listening, you know, listening. <laughs> <laughs> GW is always listening. Ooh. Always listening. Always plotting and planning. It wouldn't be a release announcement without the announcement of a new uh, Primaris Lieutenant. Right. There's another event exclusive Primaris Lieutenant. It looks cool. Like, it, it's it's, neat, it's, it's another Primaris Lieutenant yeah, model. It's a neat looking model, but yeah, it's like, cool, come up with something else, guys. <laughs> well, maybe the when they release enough, you'll have a whole squad of just Primaris Lieutenants. Well, I want to I get to the point where you can field an entire just Lieutenant Army. We're we're getting there. <laughs> well, I mean, lieutenants are HQs, right? Just yeah, like so all three, the supreme co- so three, three supreme three supreme, supreme command, command attachments, attachments of just lieutenants <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby G. And well, yeah, <laughs> and well, and Marnius Calgar, yeah. who is technically considered a lieutenant since he's the second in charge of the Ultramarines now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> but no, there's, there's some cool stuff they announced, um, and it sounded like it was a fun event, so. Yeah, no, Adepticon looked like it was cool, and I've seen photos coming out, of, like the team tournament stuff what is amazing, as always. Mm-hmm. A shout-out to uh, the Warha- uh, Warhammer 40K couple. Yes. Uh, they, If you follow them on YouTube or on Instagram, they were uh, posting stuff for all from Adepticon mm-hmm. Weekend, took some great photos, you know, really let... If you couldn't be there, like we couldn't, yeah. and you wanted to experience the uh, event vicariously, th- uh, they have just turned into a great media team. Absolutely. Two. So uh, uh, I'm glad to have met them at LVO, and it's just awesome to to, to see them really just jumping right in with the community. and, yeah. and just being. I ran great. into them at LVO again this year, uh-huh. actually, so I, we, t- we chatted for a few minutes. So yeah. It was cool to see them again. <laughs> and I think, Rob, you said there was a good diversity in the the. Yeah, League. so I was looking at uh, on Bella Lost Souls, because I will I will cite my sources. Uh, Bella, <laughs> Bella Lost Souls had an article about, like, the top, you know, the unbeatable lists. So, yeah, I was looking through I, – I wanted to see, like, what the top 16 lists looked mm-hmm. like at uh, Adepticon. And some of the players are names that are familiar to anybody who's followed uh, f- competitive 40K. Yeah. Sean Naden, uh, Tyler DeVries, Aaron Along, uh, Nick Nanavati, uh, you know, all – you know, those are, you know, familiar names. Uh, no surprise they made the top 16. What I did find interesting was the Army – diversity now i haven't seen all i admit i have not looked at all the lists but even the top four lists that i've seen are only one of them looked like anything i would consider like a more standard quote-unquote list and that was like there was a uh, a mixed eldar like osiriani like drukari eldari flyer based you know like kind of flying circus list yeah but uh let's see we had an inari gene stealer cult chaos demons osiriani 
Uh, Militarm Tempestus, Ultramarines, two Bad Moons orcs, one Death Skulls orcs, one just mixed orcs, two Tau, one Tyranids, 1,000 Suns, an Imperial Knights, and Cadian Guard in the top 16. That's a really, that's a really solid, divert, you know, diverse group of lists. And granted, you know, like, it's hard to know exactly what's in this because, like, not all the details are available for all of them. So there, you know, I imagine some of them would have you know, other elements to those lists outside of those primary factions. Right. But even with just those primaries, that's a really good spread. Yeah. You know, the the stuff that the stuff that we know is underpowered, like Necrons, Grey Knights weren't in there, but yeah. we kind of knew that. But pretty much everything else is close was 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 in there. That's pretty good. Yeah. So no, it it's good to see this uh variety. You know, we're and a lot of it I think is also gonna come down to uh mission design. Adepticon does not use the standard ITC missions, they use their own missions. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to change the the meta. That's gonna change the makeup of what people are bringing because they're gonna play to those missions and those strengths instead. Well and then there's also and we'll probably talk to this after we finish Adepticon, there's going to be fundamental changes the way the ITC well, is Well, that's things. the next thing I okay. was going to bring yeah. up. I wasn't sure if we were done talking about it. <laughs> no, no. Yet. We're yeah. transitioning. Yeah, that was. I was going to kind of transition from transition. talking focuses to, like, factions yeah. to factions. Be like Job and just hop on my Segway. Yeah, <laughs> we have views. Sorry. So, yeah, as Kevin alluded to, the ITC is changing up some of their policies as far as how uh, fact best of faction is going to be handled. ITC uh, sent out a survey... Say, saying, should for, especially for best of faction awards, because a lot of best of faction up to that point, best of faction had been handled as whatever is the largest point wise detachment in your army. Didn't have to be the majority of your army, so you could have like a Dark Angels player who's playing mostly guard and imperial, yep, and or and imperial knights or you know something like that. But they just managed to have like a few more points. Yes, of like the example, like, yes, of dark angels or blood angels or what have you, yeah. and that, and suddenly they were eligible. They were eligible for best of action for that. Yeah. So ITC sent out a a survey saying, should ITC best in faction awards stay as is or go to pure faction armies? Which it, the options were, you know, like stay as is, go to pure armies, stay as is, three hundred twenty seven votes. Pure faction armies, 1,110 votes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, the new rules are if if you want to get best of faction Grey Knights, your list, your army list has to be 100% Grey Knights. You yep. want best of faction Imperial Knights, you have to run all knights. You can't mix in a lucky 32 or anything. Yeah. The minute you do that, you are now playing for best in faction Imperium. Yep. If you want to do Chaos Soup, you are not playing Chaos Demons. You are playing, like, if you have a Thousand Suns detachment, you're now playing Best in Faction Chaos. Yep. Uh, they have created some new sub-factions. Like, uh, you can now play for Best of Chaos Corn, or, like, yep. Best of Faction Corn, Best of Faction Slanesh. I think they did one Best of, Max- Best of Faction Hive Mind for, like, mm-hmm. if you have a mixed... Gene Stealer, Colton Tyranids, because they both have the Tyranid yep. trait. And and they did specifically make some exceptions in there for like Brood Brothers and things that are right. like uh, Adeptus Mechanicus can take an Imperial Knight. Because it's in their codex. Right. Because it's if in it's called codex. out in your codex. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's still some, you know, a little bit of leeway. A little bit of leeway there. But I mean, you're going to see for, for top players, it isn't going to change anything. Yeah. You know, the people that are in the top eight, top 16 of these events. 
they're going to run their their list and they're going to play their imperial soup list because that's what'll win them the event. Yeah, and what it you know, but what it does is it means that you're going to see a lot more of these faction pure armies, which re- I think is something that it a lot rewards of the person who doesn't necessarily take the best of multiple factions, but rather plays you know plays something so, or you know. Sticks to that one thing and plays it for dedication. And it, it's a good comparison because if you had someone who was just playing all Dark Angels or someone playing Dark Angels plus Knights, well, now both of them have to play all yep. Dark Angels, so you've got a better comparison. Absolutely. And I will say I'm slightly excited and might change what some of my plans are for playing things this year. I'm a little bit disappointed because I had an idea for a uh, quester, uh, uh, a Renegade Knights list that involved Thousand Sons that I have to scrap. And just throw in more Imperial Knights, which I'm fine with. But or you could just do all corn because I'm thinking all I could, I could sounds also do good. all corn too. But I've it's been years since I've won with that li- with an all corn <laughs> list. So <laughs> actually, well, to be fair, it's, it's been, been two it's years, been yeah. years <laughs> since I've won with Slanesh. So yeah. <laughs> but go, if I start going winning, going fourth, the friendly was was kind of the one that's like, ooh, okay, I get that. Yeah, I'm not trying to play to win, but. No, but I think it's at least get one. Yeah, (laughs) and I I, I think it's neat. The demon gods each got their own. Yeah. Yeah. So so okay. So here's I'm just gonna kind of read this out real quick so that we can you know have everybody on the same page. So this takes effect immediately. Yes. So and as of like April, starting April eighth, this like basically starting next week. This change, this so we're, we're definitely having it at Midwest. We're Con- definitely oh, using sure. it at Midwest Conquest event. Anything that's already been reported is not going to be changed because that would be unfair to like people who thought they were, you mm. know, entered in for best of whatever faction. Sure. Um, they do a pure faction army is based on the codex in question plus any supplemental material. For example, if you play Codex Space Marines Army and have a Forge World unit, a unit from Vigilus in your list. Neither of which are in your codex, but all have the right keywords and are considered, you know, Adeptus Astartes yeah. units, then you're good to go. We don't track down to sub-factions, so you're free to mix Ultramarines, Salamanders, White Scars, etc. Same for Guards, same for Orcs. Yep. You can mix sub-factions, chapters, clans, what have you. Um, uh, Space Wolves, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, and Dark Angels do have their own codex and ITC faction category, so you can't mix them yep. with Space Marines. Uh, so yeah, it really comes down to what codex are you, are you using and what is the, mm-hmm. like, what's the intent there? You know, they'll be able to tell, um, what about uh, new IT, fa- new ITC factions they will track points for Imperium, which is your mixed Imperium armies. Yep. Chaos, mixed chaos armies, Eldari. So any of your Asuriyan or like mixed armies like that forces of the hive mind. That's mixed Tyranids and gene cults, corn, Nurgle, Zinch, Slanesh. Mixed chaos armies, as long as they all all the units have these that one uh, unifying keyword. Yeah. So you can do a uh, emperor's children and slanesh demons list, ca- or Dennis, yeah. and uh, still be totally. I see. They keep pushing that. I do because <laughs> it's a good idea. So good. It's a good idea. Just, and then Yunari got updated too for this, right? Yeah. So there are so, so um, there are exceptions. As Kevin mentioned, yep. Gene Stealer cults may take a Brood Brothers detachment yep. and still count as pure Gene Stealer cults, even though technically you're using the Guard Codex. But yep. that's built into their Codex yeah, already, so it yeah, should right. be allowed. Uh, your army will count for the Inari faction for our purposes if every detachment in your army is an Inari detachment under the restrictions outlined in the Inari rules. So if you have three detachments and you have Yvrain in one, the Vizark in another, and the Incarn in the third, then you're an Inari army. Otherwise, all is HQs. All is HQs. All yes. is HQs. Yes. Uh, an interesting point with the Inari, and I don't know if we brought it up last week or if it, or last episode or if it was out yet, 
there are going to be Yanari rules in White Dwarf. Okay. I keep on hearing that. We'll, we'll no, see like what they, they are. No, they announced, like GW announced, I, mean, I have yeah, no idea what they are. Right. That, but, that's what I mean. We'll have to so, see. So the Yanari stuff might change once that comes out. That's we'll true. See. Yeah, because so I guess we're not getting an Yanari codex. We are, in fact, getting in the Yanari pamphlet. Okay with that as long as it, which means it'll be reprinted in, in, uh, yeah, they'll get it in chapter approved, like with the assassin stuff. Yeah. Yeah, We'll, we'll see how it is. Um, they did mention as well, uh, and I know you probably were getting to it, but like units that are summoned in don't count. Like if you're doing the demon summoning or the assassin summoning. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't count. Right. It's basically what's in your list at time of list submission. If you leave points open for summoning, yeah, you can fill in whatever. So I like it. I, I I think this is going to make it more. I think it's going to make the best in faction stuff more competitive. Your good players are still going to take the list they were taking before and just fight it out for Imperium and Chaos, which means that those factions, like when you win best Imperium, that's a huge accomplishment. Like if you win, you know, one of those bigger ones, that's... Because you're playing against a huge field of players. Yeah, exactly. So but I, I think it's interesting that it just creates more competition. At the but at the levels. same time, I don't think... I think it will encourage... I think it will encourage people to play those the more focused faction yep. it's just because hey maybe i maybe i don't have a chance at best imperium but i can go for this and may, you know so i'm mm-hmm. like i i'll go for i'll i'll go for best sisters yeah. I'll, I'll take knights out of my list and run just best sisters or, yeah yeah so well, you're laughing no i'm laughing because i can do pierce lanesh yes yeah. yes you can <laughs> and i don't think very many people will N- no, well, Richard, you can play I, pure I, gray knights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, notice he was, won't. Well, but <laughs> sorry, that was that rude. <laughs> you can. I mean, every time that I've played gray, just about every time that I've played gray knights, I've played pure gray right, knights. Right. But yeah. <laughs> I want to see the guy that plays pure inquisition and wins the best of faction for <laughs> that because someone is hardcore. Okay, um, <laughs> which <laughs> which we'll have to. How would uh, I wonder if. How that will interact with like the I can get on any like any transport. You'd still have to take a mixed Imperium army yeah, to make that I don't work. Think you'd be able to do it. Yeah, I was joking with uh, with Greg up at uh, Peculiar before we recorded that uh, I want to figure out a way to run a Euclidean Star Striders force. Best like a, of best just a full, Try to figure out a way to run a two thousand point army of that. I don't think be, you can. I don't, I don't think you think it's can. physically I'm possible. Like, I'm gonna run. The, I wish up to one event with like eight hundred points in my room. Play down twelve hundred points. Finish dead last. <laughs> so I get the results. So I win best in faction. <laughs> I don't know. That's speed. I don't know if that's dedication <laughs> or stupidity. Shine yes, on you, crazy is, diamond. Yes, it is both. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think that's the time to jump into listener mail because that's let's let's get segue. let's yeah. get away from this yeah, as yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> I, I did want to remark though that vote is comes down to like it was like fifteen hundred people that voted. Yeah, which also gives you an idea of that when you not to like slag it or anything, but the scale of like dedicated competitive players who are going to like put in their their feedback to you know determine how that how uh, you know ITC scoring is handled is a very small fraction of the overall 40k player base. Yeah. So just keep that something to keep in mind. So But I but I do think that if that was if there was a reason, you know, if there was a way to like get that out to everybody and incorporate everybody that plays in events, yeah. I don't think the result would be different. No, I don't think it would be. And I think I'm I'm curious to see 
how GW kind of looks at these because you know they follow these events, oh, they yeah, follow yeah. the results. Because like we know, probably in the next week or two, we're going to get the next big FAQ, which will address anything that they saw at Adepticon. Which again, from the list makeup at Adepticon, maybe they're at the point where the game's like you know, it, if it comes down to mission design, maybe that's like the one thing we need mm-hmm. to adjust. And every the 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 faction balance is getting close to where they want it. Not it's not there yet because yeah. as we mentioned, like Necrons, Grey Knight, there's some codexes that are definitely struggling. It, yeah, but uh, my my expectations, the FAQ is going to drop this weekend because we're recording today. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know what i I appreciate your pessimism. That's okay. If we'd recorded on Sunday, it would dropped on Monday. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we can't win for losing, but. <laughs> But uh, so we'll just well, that'll give us a couple of weeks to really dig yeah. through it before we talk about it because it, things work out better that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> says you. Uh, so so moving yeah, on to listener, listener mail, <laughs> <laughs> we make no mistakes that we will admit to until the next episode. <laughs> uh, these le- letters are written, of course, by you, the listeners, and we will tell you how you can get your letter to us at the end of the show. And again. We're trying to keep these episodes a little bit more concise, so if we don't get your ep- your letter on the air, we'll it will be in the list, but yep. we'll tell you about that afterwards. Uh, so first off, I mentioned at the top of the show during the intro the whole the you know, Kill Team Arena is the new <laughs> Imperial agents or the new Imperial Guard, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, in that we make a we make a statement. How we dare we make a, con- a statement that is so controversial yet so brave? We don't take <laughs> stands on this podcast very often, and every time we do, we get hammered for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we come in with soft takes on a lot of things, but every time we go hard on something, it's, 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 it's invariably the wrong it's Newtoni- position. <laughs> it's Newtonian internet <laughs> physics. Every, every stand has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> Uh, so this will be probably the last letter we're going to field on this because it's our show and we can say that. But <laughs> well, also I imagine you guys yeah. don't want to keep hearing about it. But I, I do. This one brings up a couple of points yeah. that we haven't mentioned. And also, Kevin, you dropped off the internet last time we tried recording <laughs> yeah. this. Which, if you haven't noticed, Kevin is in. I studio. am actually here, so yeah. yeah he if is, I drop out, it's because I just had a left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kevin was in Kansas City this week, so we're like, we need to record we're with him in person so yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh so this letter is from dennis thomas uh he writes hello again at first i wanted to tell you i that i think shorter episodes are totally fine most people don't listen to three hour episodes in one go so even if you guys have a topic you want to discuss in deep and need more time for what's stopping you from just doing a two-part episode shorter episodes don't have to mean less content which is absolutely true and i think it'll make our our actual like deep dives less rushed because we won't be yes. trying to squeeze them into one session so i think that's that's definitely good so carrying on but a little critique for the last episode <laughs> i think your answer to the De- greenskins listener question about kill team arena maybe missed the point a bit sure you guys are right it's not practical to demand from players to bring their own table worth of terrain to a standard 2000 point tournament but I think demanding people to bring their own set of Kill Team Arena is not nearly in the same league of expectation as that. First, you really need the box anyway to play the arena game. Sure, you could split with your buddy, which many people do, but to get the cards, you just have to have it. Which is not entirely true. They have two decks of cards. Mm-hmm. Like, all the cards are duplicated. It is a two-player set. But continuing. And to be honest, we spend way much, way too much money on way less useful stuff, so I don't think it's too much to expect from a player. Also, the whole Kill Team Arena set is self-contained in the box. All you need is that box and its content. So you don't, it's not like you have to chug tubs of terrain around. To most non-Kill Team tournaments, players have to bring way more weight and space 
worth in their books than the single box of arena. So I think that it's okay to tell people to bring their set. They could just decide before the game which one set to use and set up the table according to the organizer's specifications. Almost the same model works great with the Underworld Shade Spire slash Night Vault system, where everyone has to bring their own box to the game, even though one could be enough theoretically. I just think comparing Arena to bringing a full table of terrain is a bit unfair because Kill Team Arena is designed in a way that could be used that can be used in a way so everyone can bring their own and the tournament organizer doesn't have to prepare all the terrain. Maybe it's even a great way to get someone who's just started doing tournaments going because it lowers the bar a bit. Just my two cents on the topic. Keep up the great work. So, uh, and this was in yeah. response to our response to a letter saying, like, Kill Team Arena is meant to be brought to, yeah. you're meant to bring your own set, and then it would be, and then there was a further, and it would be cool if larger, if this pattern worked yeah. for larger events. And we said, that's uncategorically hard. no yeah. for the second one, because it just, it's not feasible. Um, and again, I, I want to get back, and I wanted to read yeah. this one on the air, too, because, like I said, Kevin, you yeah. didn't get to be part of that conversation. I, I want to go in on this one as well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going two, f- two feet on this one All as well. right, both in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so anyway, I, I, first, I'll, I'll, I'll cede the, the floor to you, Kevin. Well, so I, I do agree with – I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about Arena. I think it is very interesting to have a standard modulized – you know, game like that where it's very rigid and like, okay, you bring this terrain, you set it up exactly this way and everybody, that's cool. I think that, that there's a niche for that game and I, I think that's good to have. I am on the fence about whether like requiring players to bring terrain because there are good points that yes, you bring way more when you play in a, in a GT. You log all your books, you're like around more army. It is only finger quotes, a $90 commitment to buy the terrain to bring to events. And if you're going to play in kill team tournaments, that recoups itself over three or four, you know, events that you go to. True. So I can see the argument that, yeah, it's okay to require that. I personally don't like it because I, I, I as a tournament organizer myself, I prefer to have more control over the event. Yes. <laughs> but I also understand that's a preference thing. And that is a very good point about lowering the bar for other people to start running kill team events. So I, I, I can definitely see the arguments. For requiring it versus not requiring it. Yeah, the lowering the bar one, that's the one that kind of called out to me in this letter. The thing that I have, the, the, the kind of big criticism I have right now about Kill Team isn't specifically just for Arena. Kill Team right now is in a very interesting state because of all of the add ins. Because you've got the commanders and you've got elites that are coming out and you've got Arena and you've got these other like add ons, which in theory is very neat that, hey, we have this game that we can bolt on these other aspects to and play you know an elite version of the game or a commander version and play like different different types of games with that modularity comes some confusion though when you run an event now or when you even like go to play a pickup game you now have to specify kill team arena with commanders and and you just have it's a lot more stuff to go into the event to prepare for so it does lose a little bit of the appeal as a nice kind of quick pickup starter game if you now also have to have all of these other add-ons to be able to play and it. See, I'll be on the other side on that one, Kevin, is I, I mean, we don't play a ton of Kill Team anymore. We got, When it first came out, we were all over it, but we haven't played much, We haven't played Arena. We haven't done that. But to me, these all seem like add-ons that kind of enhance the game. And I mean, if you're just getting into the game, yep. you'll go for the core Kill Team. 
That's all you need. And then as you get familiar in that and want to expand out more, you'll want to pick up these others. And, and, and I'm good with having those add-ons, and I think it is ultimately a good thing. I think where the problem I have is the lack of kind of clarity about how these games should be used. Because as, as one of the kind of points that you'll bring up with Arena, it's not explicitly clear in the rules for Arena that the players need to bring the terrain. Mm-hmm. Like it's mentioned in there, but it's not on the box. And I did mention it's that not, during you know, the, the episode. Yeah. It's it's mentioned in the flavor text in there, so it's it's unclear how GW like what the standard is for these games at this point. As we go forward, maybe an an organization like the ITC will come up with a standard format. Say this is this is the way we're playing it, or the community will sort that out. Well, or I, GW I, I will think sort it I out, think GW is actually kind of this is one mm-hmm. where. They like for 40k they didn't because the ITC and other groups had already kind of taken the lead on this. Kill Team allowed them to get into the ground floor and they kind mm-hmm. of uh they they started doing that with uh, Shadespire. Like yep. Shadespire was one of the first things where they entered in like we're going to do our own organized play system. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so like I I think uh Dennis the letter writer Dennis, not you Dennis. <laughs> uh his uh, observation of like, well, you know, Underworld, Shadespire, you know, it's a it's a comparable system to Arena, which I disagree on that, not because mostly on price point and and also what is brought, uh, because Shadespire, you bring like, OK, the Shadespire box is or Night Night Vault. They're both yeah. both basically the same. Like Night Vault is basically season two. Yeah. Um, you you buy that box at sixty bucks. It comes with two war bands and yep. it comes with all the things two players need to play that game. When you go to an event, you bring uh, you bring a game board which is double sided and that basically that's your deployment zone. You get to bring your own deployment zone and arrange mm-hmm. it however you want. And you bring because you know it's kind of like a forty k thing where you bring objectives because you'll place objective markers across both boards so both players can bring a set. But they're cardboard, to- like hex tokens yeah. and a cardboard board. And that's all you really need to bring. So it's a much lower cost of entry. It's a much lower expectation of things to bring. Plus, you bring your deck, but you're building a deck for your warband. You bring your warband, and that pretty much covers it. Arena is a $90 product that is meant, it, it is a two player set. But you don't get any models in it other than the terrain. Yep. You get your game boards, you get your book, you get two decks of uh, objective cards, and that's and that's it. Now, if and it's a product that, as I as I said, you know, it's very unclear that the expectation is every player brings a set. Yeah. We we talked last episode about like ways this could be like parceled out different. Like if you could yeah. buy the deck separately, buy the yeah. terrain separately. If it was terrain was cardboard, so having like somebody br- brings their nicely painted terrain and somebody else brings their gray plastic, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's all going to look the same. Yeah. Um, I think if Arena had been released, like have a two player set that is more aimed towards like a TO or it's a box that can be split, and then have a version of it that is. Half the terrain, one game board. Yep. Because also, I think having four game boards that are all basically slightly different variations of an interior map that aren't that amazingly different is overkill. I think one one double sided board would have been sufficient because it, it then they'll let the difference come down to the missions rather mm-hmm. than the deployment zones. But if it had been, if you had a let's say a forty dollar kit that was one one double sided board, one deck. The each like one table half worth of mm-hmm. terrain and say this is your arena player kit, 
you buy this, you take this to every event. And if they had been very clear yeah. with the marketing on that, I, I then I would have no problem with it because it would be like, this is very clear. This is yeah. clear marketing. This is what you buy. GW, please be listening to this. It's not too late to re-release this this way. Or, you know, to, to release like, you know, because how many times have they released a two-player set and then later on then split, split it, off yeah. the, the two parts, right? So well, just have like, you know, this is the this is your arena player kit. If any arena event, you bring one of these along with your kill team. Problem solved. So it's and I would be fine with it. It's interesting because they they did this, and and I don't play Adeptus Titanicus just because it's I don't have time for another game. But that's how they released Adeptus Titanicus. There was the game master the grand box, master box, the grandmaster yeah. box, and then there were the individual player boxes, and then you could buy the models and stuff separately, and you could buy like the terrain kit separately. Yeah. So if they had done it in that way, or are still planning on releasing it that way and making it clear where the expectation is by this $40 box that has everything in it or release $90 kill teams that have all the player stuff in it too or something. Yeah. It's having spending $90 on just the game pieces to play the game and not even like the the stuff to actually play the game like just just the $90 add in to just add the game, you know, the board pieces. Yeah. doesn't feel like good like a good strategy. No. And again, I'm not opposed to having players bring their own stuff. And I really like the idea of Arena being like a standardized, like, no, this is how the board's set up. This is this. Yeah, I love the very... I love the idea of Arena. Don't yeah. that, and I think that's that's why, like, if my reaction to Arena, like, I'm not trying to dog the product. It's really trying to point out this is a good product that was implemented in an unclear yeah. fashion, in a way that isn't as useful to tournament organizers or to players yeah. as it could have been. And I think that's why if, if my review seems harsh, it's because you can see the mark and you can see how it misses the mark. Yeah. And it's like that mark is so close. If you had just built this a different way. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's not this bad. It's frustrating because right. it's because it could have been so much better. Well, and I think about like if you buy a new like one of the new prepackaged kill teams, you get a few pieces of terrain, mm-hmm. you get a kill team, you get a booklet for that kill team. I don't think you get a board with it. The boards go come with kill zones, but there's no reason why. Yeah, you couldn't up the price of the set to yeah. like seventy or eighty. Put the board in mm-hmm. there and like because a kill t- like a kill zone is eighty. Yeah. So make yeah, like you said, have a this is a kill t- an arena kill team box, yeah. and then also have this is an arena box that is just like one player's and, worth of arena stuff. And like I said, I think this and and like I said, they I assume they will fix this, but that's that part of it is like I think that's the thing they've done on that they've done poorly with kill team is they haven't done a good job of labeling and identifying like what you need to play the game for what certain types. Yeah. Because there is so many different add-ons and modular things you can add to kill team. If you're a new player and you walk in there and like, okay, do I need to buy this box? No, you need to buy this one. Do I need to buy that? That's where it becomes confusing. Well, and that, and, and that's where you're going to be dependent on a store owner yeah. to, or, you know, or a play group at the yeah. store to help guide you. And, and that's yeah. an important part of any gaming community. Sure. It just needs to be a little clearer. I, that, that's, I, I that's look, my thing. And yeah. I, and I think that's, it came, it kind of came to a head with Arena for me. Honestly. Yeah. Like that's where it's like the lack of clarity with how things are meant to interact came to the point that you released a box set of just terrain for one add-on that people are like, no, why, why? Well, and also, and again, it's the, because of how it's set up, like this is a two player product. It, to me as a tournament organizer communicated, okay, I need a box of this for every table spot for every player pair. And the, like I said, and after reviewing the book again, it's like, 
I can't find, I can find one tiny mention of, oh, you might want to have your players, you could have players bring their own stuff. Yeah. And I just, if it had been very upfront about, they just, communication and maybe a different way to, to sell it would have been key. Yeah. All right, we are done with Arena. Yes, no more <laughs> yep. letters about Arena. If you disagree with us, too bad. That's just, that's can, just what we're you saying. You can respond to us on Twitter, and I will maybe respond back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. We've got a, uh, some rules questions from Andrew Thistlethwaite. Andrew writes, guys, please help. I'm thinking about attending my first ever GT, and I'm running through list ideas. I'm a bit confused on the subject of Imperial Knights detachments, especially when it comes to using Forge World Knights in a detachment. If I take a Knight Lancer in a detachment with two Armagers, do I get to make it a character and give it a Warlord trait and Relic, even if it's not my primary detachment? What stratagems can I use on him? Can I give him a house trait as well? Can y'all give me a rundown on how the big bots are organized properly? Thanks, guys. I appreciate your dedication to the hobby and your time. I work very long hours alone, and podcasts help me through the day. Yours is among my favorites. Well, thank you, Andrew. So one thing I would say if you're thinking about attending a GT, just go ahead and do it. Just yeah. just dive in. Just, it, you're going to have a blast. Yeah. You, you'll you probably get rolled, yeah. but you're going to have fun. Yeah. Uh, so um, the way – so uh, fortunately, uh, if you just have like the Imperial Knights Codex, it may seem a bit confusing. But if you refer to the errata that they released like shortly thereafter, um, it does make this a little bit more clear. So um, – because if you look at the Night Lance rule, the way it's worded in the Codex, it seems to specify it has to be a Questorus or a Dominus class knight mm. before special things get unlocked. And they have since changed that to any Titanic knight, which will cover any of the Forge World yeah. knights. Yeah, so all the Forge World knights will have Imperial knights as the co- co- uh, keyword and Titanic. Right. Um, the Armagers and the Helverins are the, are the only ones that don't. Right, uh, and that, but they're still considered super heavy. They're still they considered just, super heavy. So, but it's so you basically have the the two different types of super heavy detachments you can do for Imperial Knights. If you take one Titanic Knight, um, which can be any of the Forge World or the Dominus or Questorus class, and then fill it out with Armagers, non Titanic Knights, you do get fewer uh, command points. Yeah. So here here's yeah. the the change to the Knight Lance ability. The combat benefit of each Imperial Knight's Super Heavy Detachment is changed to none if it does not contain at least one Imperial Knight's Titanic unit, Mm -hmm. and is changed to plus six command points if it contains at least three Imperial Knight's Titanic units. So, if you have a Super Heavy Detachment, and you have a Knight Lancer, and you have a pair of Armagers, one each in the other two Super Heavy Detachments... You have a legal super heavy detachment. Yep. It will get you three command points. Yep. And then further on, one part that didn't change in the Night Lance detachment. If your army is Battleforged, select one model in each Imperial Knight super heavy detachment in your army. Each model you select gains the character keyword. Now, that's character keyword. That doesn't make them your warlord. That doesn't unlock relics yet. So... um, if that is, even if it's, and what is your primary detachment? I'm assuming meaning if it's not your warlord's detachment, yeah. or if it's not your lord. If it's not your warlord, you don't necessarily get a um, free relic, but you can spend a command point for heirlooms of the household to put it on any Imperial Knights character. So yeah. you will have to pay a command point to put a relic on them because. If they're not your warlord, yes. now if you make it your warlord, it'll get a. And that's the thing, regardless of whether it's your primary detachment or not, since that knight, it, that knight lancer is a character, he can be your warlord. Yes, it just means that your warlord won't be in one of the other detachments. Correct. So, 
So, uh, so what stratagems can you use on him? Uh, any of them that are going to match his house trait. Yep. Uh, because you have an Imperial Knights detachment. You ha- it's a, your army is battle forged has an Imperial Knight detachment. You may now use any of the Imperial Knight stratagems as long as they fit his class. So, uh, something that targets a if they mention like a Dominus class only, it yep. won't affect him because he's not Dominus class. If it affects Questorus class, it won't affect him. He's not yep. Questorus. Uh, if, but uh, otherwise, like rotate ion shields, you can rotate ion shields because that just says Imperial Knights vehicle. What about so? Do the Forge World Knights get house traits? Like, do they? Do, can they? Can you select them as like House Raven, for example? They do have the household trait. Okay, so so yeah, so you can make your you can assign any of the available Knight House household traits to your Knight. So yes, it can be any of the Admech ones. It can be any of the Quester Imperialis household traits etc so right and then from that point it just functions the same as any imperial knight so right they did give the quester allegiance keyword to all the knights okay. so just so that they the knights in the forge world index now function identically to the knights in the main codex so okay, cool. this is on the faq and starting on page uh, four of the faq referring to page 94 and then onward they add like Replace, change Quester Imperialis to read Quester Legion. And that's the, the Imperial Armor Index. Uh, index star, right? Forces of the Astro Military. Yeah. Okay. That's where all your knights are. And then they added, um, the Lancer has Serastus class. So it doesn't have, so like sure. I said, any of the Questorus class specific, uh, stratagems will not work on it, but yeah. anything that's just Imperial Knights will work fine. Yeah. Can you give them a house trait? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not in a, Auxiliary detachment. Yep. That, that, cause, uh, auxiliary detachments specifically don't get household traditions. They still, you still can select a house for stratagem purposes. Right. But they don't but get, you don't any get th- the household trait if it's, uh, just an auxiliary. Yes. But as long as it's a, yeah, as long as it's a super heavy detachment, you get full household traits. Any of anyone that you want to pick. Yeah. Cause it has to be a super heavy detachment, not a super heavy auxiliary. Yep. Uh, so. So yeah, your Lancer and his two and his two pals will get you three command points. You can, if you make him your warlord, it will give you access to a free relic. If not, you can pay a command point to use the heirlooms of the household stratagem to put it on him because he is a character. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of a lot of the relics will only if replace certain weapons. Yeah. So you're going to be limited things like sanctuary armor of the sainted ion. Sanctuary still really good. Yeah, so. yeah. Search <laughs> sanctuary is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I have four or I have a five up invuln all the time. Although Lancer already has Actually, like the, big yeah, has the shield. shield so. so yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, you're going to be limited on which ones you can take. Uh, which is honestly okay, because there's way too many relics in that book. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, for example, if you picked a Mechanicus, how, or no, that's yeah. Quester, oh, Quester Mechanicus is the Quester Allegiance. It's yeah. not Questorus class. Yeah. So, like, if you take, if you join, like, House Raven or House Terranus, uh, you could take Mark of the Omnisci, which yep. lets you heal wounds back up. Yeah. So, uh, which is I mean, great. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like, you could still do that. So that that's how the big bots are organized is that um, and a part of it is because after this codex came out, they had to errata how the index works. I'd like to see a new set of Forge World indexes that have that although they could yeah. really consolidate. Well, some of them could be consolidated down, I think. But 
That's my, I don't know if that much repeat is. There were really, there were really only four. Yeah. Uh, Forge World Index. Cause there was it's, I know, I'm thinking the main indexes could pretty much go away at this point. Yeah. There's, oh, there's yeah, very yeah. little yes. left. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. From those. Yeah. Cause I think, oh, the, yeah. If we're getting Inari rules. That's in, the last big one. Uh, well, there's I mean, still Legion of the Damned and Inquisition or would be like, and Sisters of Silence. Those are like the three factions. That's the last big one. Those are the, th- <laughs> yeah, that's it. So basically, um, other than Legion of the Damned, like yeah. Imperium 2 is the only yeah. index you should still be using unless you have a model that doesn't. That's like the one case where like models that don't have matching war I, gear options. I want to get to the point where they just release everything in White Dwarf 4 and chapter approved and they can just say, no, indexes Index. are gone. You can't use it to pull a model in. It's, it's, I, I'll yeah, agree gone. and disagree. I, I, like you said, I would love to see Forge World do some updated indexes. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Cause yeah. it's been almost two years. But yeah, so I mean, <laughs> not, but, uh, yeah, this should, uh, clear up all the, all your night issues. So if and if you have any more questions, you know, feel free to to let us know. Um, but but yes, so short run, yes, you can have a lancer with your armagers. He's going to be a character. He will get you three command points. He won't necessarily be your warlord, but, but he, he be. can be, yep. which will give him a warlord trait. He can have a household trait. Well, you'll pick a household. Mm-hmm. It's a de- super heavy detachment, non auxiliary. So he will get his household trait, and you can give him relics. Yep. And, but remember, he is not Questorus or Dominus class, so any stratagems, uh, that target that, that, or any weapon replacements for relics won't apply to that, but everything else is totally kosher. Also, like I said, if you get a chance to go to a GT, go and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, this is kind of a fun one uh, from Jason Sharp. Jason writes, hey, guys, I've been listening to your podcast for six months or so, listening to the last two years or so worth of episodes on my commutes. I played Fantasy in 40K when I was in middle school 15 to 20 years ago, got into Tau as soon as they debuted, whenever that actually was. Uh, I'm now a middle school math teacher and a group of kids learning to look how to play or looking to learn how and a group of kids looking to learn how to play 40K found out that I used to dabble with it. I'm now sponsoring their club, helping them learn to play, paint, etc., while I frantically try to unlearn all the old rules and relearn the new game that is 8th edition. It's a bit it's, different. It's much <laughs> easier to do if you haven't played in 15 years than it was trying to jump from 7th straight to 8th. Yeah. <laughs> Two questions, one for the kids and one for me. Feel free to answer both, either or neither. One... What advice do you have for some middle school age kids learning this as their first tabletop game and starting to collect and paint their own armies? Right now, I've got an ultramarine player, one getting into Death Guard, another space marine, likes the look of Crimson Fists, which, hey, uh, White Dwarf from a couple months ago had special Crimson Fist rules, and Imperial Guard. I won't ask for specific advice from you guys for Guard, which is a good call. We are working on that. It's just, no, no, we've, I've talked to some people about news. Come on. You've got a person. It's not going to happen anytime soon, I'm sure. Uh, Any advice on battles, painting, scenery, club formation? Um, uh, battles, I'd say if you're just learning, keep them small. Honestly, uh, kill team's probably a really great way to start for this. Kill team, kill team's a good way to start, team, but, or just five hundred points, yeah. or or just power level. Power level is yeah. a great way to start. Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking like the no no fear boxes, the first yep. strike boxes, the the starter style yes. boxes that they have. Um, I you know the and you've already got like you've got an ultramarines player and a death guard player. I mean that that's really yeah. set up for them. Uh, the space marine player can also like the can crimson fist it. player yeah. can use that stuff. The the kid who's starting out with guard, I feel for you, buddy. Um, a lot of you, you, you gotta collect. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long slog. Tanks are your friends. Yeah, uh, is that something you'll have that nobody else is really gonna be fielding like that? So, um, 
Yeah. But as far as like battles, I would, yeah, start small, start with power level, because then you can get into the fiddly points. Yep. You know, points tweaking later, but just start with some basic games, get, get the mechanics down. Uh, really all you're going to need to know are going to be on your data sheets and that f- fold out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, rules pamphlet, the battle primer. The other thing I'd say, if there's other kids that you want to get into the hobby, you know, outside of just this group that's already started, recommend that, like, have them go to the website and, like, look at the armies and have them pick what army they want to play based off, like, the look and feel of the yeah. models. Yeah. Not, like, is this a not good, is this a good army? Which seems like a weird thing to say, but, like, go off a rule of cool. Yeah. Cause, well, because here's the thing. If you look at an army and you go, oh, I really like the way the Tau vehicles look, or I really like the way Tyranid monsters look, you are going to want, you're going to have more incentive to continue to build and paint and play. Right. Even if you're not good, because you're, you're learning. Nobody's going to be good right yeah. out the gate. But if you if you like the models and you and you like putting them together and you like working with them, then you're going to stick with it longer rather than that that'll overcome like the frustration of like picking up like a Grey Knight army or something or Necrons that's like a bottom tier army right now and losing. You're gonna still enjoy it because you like the models and you like painting them and you like kind of going in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as painting, video tutorials are great. Mm-hmm. Um, like. If, if these kids are like my my daughter's getting ready to get into middle school and if they're anything like her that like she learns so much like she does a lot of like self-directed study on YouTube so check out games workshops uh painting tutorial set uh you know yeah anything with like Duncan Rhodes Chris Peach um, they're doing a lot of what they call like battle ready tutorials right now it's like here's how to take a model and just get it like like base but nothing fancy just like yeah. base color a little bit of wash get it on the field. And that's the thing. Don't get caught up. Like you look at like golden demon stuff or the stuff out of like the 40 K rule books and it looks really awesome. And you, then you look at your stuff and it's like, my stuff doesn't look like that. My stuff doesn't look like that. And yeah. I've won painting awards. I've been doing this for a long time. Like my army still look like crap. Um, yeah. One suggestion I'll toss out, especially for the painting paint as a group. I mean, yes. Yes. Go, yes. go look at the tutorials yes. and stuff, but since, especially since this is a club, maybe have some time. Have a paint have, day. Yeah, have paint. play days, yeah, but yeah. have paint days where yeah. everyone brings a model or two and just works on it. And then you can get a kind of advice from each other and kind of, if one person is doing it, it, it kind of is contagious. Yeah. yeah. Fire, Firestorm Games on YouTube also has some really good painting tutorials, especially for Death Guard. Uh-huh. Because um, those are the ones that I used for my LVO army last year, but they're all pretty short step-by-step you know, uh, videos, they don't like go every like single thing, but they're kind of like the, the GW ones where it's like, put this down all over, then put this in this area. Right. And they're usually pretty quick, like five or six steps. Yeah. To make it look tabletop. Right. Uh, and, so. and, and we've said this before on painting advice, start small, start with like yes. a model, then, then maybe slowly up to a squad at a time. Don't look at your entire collection and go, Oh man. And of course, you know, hopefully these kids are, st- are starting small, yeah. but like, don't get, caught up like oh wait i bought a whole bunch of stuff i'm never going to paint it all start small work in small chunks and there is a- a- and wa- base coat plus wash will get you a long way yes. to having an army that looks decent on the tabletop so you're saying i shouldn't have bought shadow spear and the new 
Chaos Marines and Abaddon and then Lord Discordant. No, no, you can buy that, but, I mean, but, but I'm don't. Like, but now, yeah, like now it's all going to be sitting on my shelf going, oh my God, that's so much gray plastic. Right. And then, but then you, <laughs> then you, 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 so you make need to a, have a paint day. Ah. And then you make, you make a choice and you're like, I'm going to work on, <laughs> or maybe I'm going to work on month. the space, I'm going to work on yeah. the space Marines. I'll do them first and then you do the space Marines. <laughs> or maybe a paint year. It's a, I need like a paint. <laughs> as far as scenery, um, GW kits are fine. They're expensive, though. Yeah, I- I'll toss out what we did originally: um, fish aquarium stuff, fish, yeah. aquarium aquarium plants, and like if you can find like temple pieces, like Greek temple yeah. pieces, yeah. or we had like Tory arches that we yeah we we did a, did a lot of that cardboard or uh, styrofoam hills are yeah. great. Um, I like doing terrain out of like stuff I find around the house. So like I yep. will take. Like a piece of like, like get some, uh, have somebody go get to like some MDF or something like fiberboard from a big sheet of it from Home Depot, cut it into like one foot by one foot squares, glue Pringles cans and soda cans to them, like open and down and then spray paint them. And now you have like towers or tanks that you have, like storage tanks that you have to maneuver around. Yep. You can do a lot of stuff. Uh, styrofoam packing material or even better pressed paper like somebody somebody in your family buys like a new stereo or a keurig or stuff like that it'll come with a lot of like pressed cardboard container material spray paint it gray dry brush it with like a uh, just like a cheap brush you buy at the hardware store with like a lighter gray paint and for terrain like this you can use like cheap krylon yep. spray paint use craft paint from like hobby like, lobby yeah, or like michael's the apple barrel like walmart yeah. craft paint. get it it's like, get it in like big it's bottles like two dollars for like 16 ounces it's insane it's, yeah and it's so great just, for that yeah okay. you just do that and then suddenly you have buildings and storage tanks and you can do hills and then suddenly you have a yeah. table so as we talked about you maybe have like a play day a paint day a terrain a terrain day because that can be a group activity of putting this all together and you know if your group wants to get together the ter- the money to buy like a gw building kind of like a centerpiece mm-hmm. and then you have a day of assembling that and then a day of painting it and yeah. then uh, then a day that then like maybe the, like monday you you assemble it wednesday you paint it it's dry now friday you play with it yeah and that's a great way to build the community and get people engaged in all aspects of the hobby yeah because especially if you're working with middle schoolers and you're trying to get them in there you want to emphasize all aspects of the hobby, the building, the painting, yeah. the playing, and like the sportsmanship aspects of it as well. Yeah. Like that's and and you and build and you, you and by breaking it into chunks like this, where you've got like a build day, like whether it's for train or your models or whatever, a build day, a paint day, a play day, and you just work mm-hmm. through that schedule, and that way everybody has a feeling like they're making progress. It's okay to play with unpainted models, yep. like when you get to play day, yep. and it's like, well, I've only got like a squad painted. Well. Fine. Use the rest of it, gray plastic, and we'll figure it out from yeah. there. Um, moving on, the second question for me: I have between fifteen hundred and two thousand points of Tau, depending on Crisis and Commander War gear, that I'm pretty happy with. I want to start a Dark Angels army. I love Ravenwing. The look, the feel, the speed—all quite different from my Tau. Where do I start? I want to run lots of bikes. <laughs> um, Ravenwing's a great place to start. Ravenwing's like. <laughs> a great place to start. Um, Black Knights are awesome. Buy, you can either buy Samuel on his bike which is going to be like fine cast right now. Maybe one day I'll do a plastic redesign of them or uh, if you want to buy get- a lion speeder and have run them in, in sable claw. Or if you want to get really kind of fun with your conversions buy the, get a custodes jet bike and put them on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no, that's a like good idea a, because yeah. <laughs> his old jet bike looks a lot like the custodes. It really does. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, you could do that. Uh, and then otherwise, it's just buying boxes of bikes. Great. Uh, Black Knights. Buy, Black buy Knights the Black good. Knight box, buy the, the regular bike box, attack bikes. I would go ahead and get like the special land speeders they mm-hmm. have, like the, was it the Dark Shroud? The, yeah, the Dark Shroud. The D, that's not the DJ booth, is it? That's the, uh, no, you're thinking like the Tempest or like yeah, the plasma okay. one, yeah. but no, the, get a Dark Shroud. Dark for Shroud's it. really good because that helps everything with cover saves. Yeah. Um, honestly, like black, I like Black Knights. The Plasma Talons are really good, but with the Bolter rule changes, ah, just Bolter bikes is real is going to be really good. You're going to be putting out a ton. And, of and when we refer to changes, there's a beta rule for Bolters, uh, which basically says bikes. Like th- when you determine number of shots, um, bikes are considered a stable platform, so they always double their yep. rapid fire shots. So, so you're going to be putting out a four Bolter shots. shots per bike at at a, at, at 24 yeah, inch range. Yeah, yeah. So like that's. That's a solid, and and that's honestly that's a very, that's a way to play Death uh, Ravenwing. That's very similar to kind of your tower, where you just have a lot of shooting, mm-hmm. um, except you actually have a lot of mobility. And you also have a lot of mobility. Well, and a commander lot, and, suits have mobility. Yeah, yeah. Well, and tough five. That's saying you have a lot of tough five out there. Yeah, bikes um, with tough five. Also, uh, Ra- Ravenwing bikes have jink. Yes, so they've got invuln saves if they go uh, if they advance. Yep. So, um, no, it, it, Ravenwing's a fun way to play. Uh, eventually, you could add in some of the flyers, like yeah, a couple of the uh, not the Nephilim, but the other the other fighter, the Dark Talon. Yeah, no, the Dark the Talon. Dark Talon. Yeah, yeah, that one's really good. those. Yeah, those are killer. So, and if you do eventually want to expand that out beyond Ravenwing, um, the Deathwing Terminators are, yeah, Deathwing Terminators are really good for like melee. So. Yeah. Having your bikes come in, you know, coming on one side, and then bring your Terminators in deep strike turn two. You've got some good assault units in there, kind of yeah. a nice counter punch. Uh, and also, something else I'd like to point out, kind of going to his the school club issue, mm-hmm. is that Games Workshop actively supports school clubs. Yes. So if you write to them now, I know it's mostly been focused, I think, on the UK, but I think they will support it stateside. Yeah, I think at this point, I think they've. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I I know it's mostly been focused on the UK. I don't know if it's exclusively the UK, but they've met, they've they've definitely mentioned that they're planning on expanding if it is only in the UK. Let me see. Because like I know they just did, they just announced another program like the Scout program that is explicitly in the UK only. Yeah. So yeah, because they're yeah they're partnering. So Warhammer School Clubs. Uh, okay. So as of um. August 30th of last year, they started, launched it across North America. Very nice. So Warhammer School Clubs are a, for students are between 12 and 18 years, which is your middle school age is getting right in there. So basically, uh, if you contact warhammer.schoolclub at gwplc.com, and I'll put a link to this article in the show notes. Um, basically, Jason, you email them. And they will help you get set up with a club and they'll send you a pack of materials to kind of work with and yeah. help and help you build your club up. So, you know, they're very much into getting young players in and helping and helping form these clubs because this is where a gaming community starts. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's a great alternative to and not that there's anything wrong with like playing games online. I play games online all the time, but having this as an alternative as well, you know, an, an activity that lets them do FaceTime with each yep. other and, and build this hobby and, and get used to working together as a club. Absolutely. It helps foster yeah. that. It's fantastic. Um, so he says, yeah, my little group of nerds will love hearing your response at our weekly meeting. So do it for the kids. Absolutely. And, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and, and we need new players. Like this is a game like, yes, we've talked about this in the past. We don't want this to become model trains. Yeah. It, it needs, it, no, I mean, no, it, it, we, 
only say it sort of. It's only yeah, slightly, it's only slightly derogatory when we say that. But yeah. no, like we we want the community to keep growing, keep getting younger. More people playing makes the hobby better. Yeah. So he said, "Thanks, Jason, aka Mister Sharp." Well, yeah. well, hopefully, kids, you enjoy this. Uh, enjoy yeah. what we did, and and like I said, just break it into small chunks. Don't you don't have to go all out and just work through and just have fun with it and just have fun yeah that's the most important part it's not about winning or losing it's not about how well you can paint at some point we should probably we could probably post pictures of the first models we've painted and they look way worse than like the stuff we're doing well that's why like (laughs) duncan rhodes keeps the first model he ever painted which i'll be honest looks terrible yeah but everyone's first model but he keeps (laughs) but it was like it was a uh a plastic space marine like his dad bought him like yeah. a box of spa- space marines it was the first one he ever painted and he keeps it at his workstation yeah. because it reminds him of where he came from and that everybody can get better with yes. practice yeah so and then finally a list review from ethan sirachman hey there friendly enemies i have a space wolf list i would like your thoughts on it's a 2000 point list that is designed with as little shooting as possible i, like I would it. like to keep it that way if at all possible <laughs> the list is as follows logan grimnarn storm rider a Wolflord on Thunderwolf with Storm Shield and Frost Axe. A Wolfguard Battle Leader on a Thunderwolf with Storm Shield and Frost Axe. Uh, two Ten Man Wolfen Squads, all with a Leader with Frost Claws. Two Thunder Hammers, two Storm Shields, two Great Frost Axes. Murder Fang in a Lucius Dreadnought Drop Pod, which I think they're they announced they're going to be rebuilding those. Yes, they're I redesigning so, yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Two four-man Thunderwolf cavalry units with Storm Shields and Frost Axes and a nine-man Fenrisian Wolf squad with a Cyberwolf. The plan with this is to have the Fenrisian Wolves up front, followed by the cavalry, then Wolfen, with Logan up the middle and the Lords on the flanks, which Lords also including the battle group, the battle leader. Using the Wolves to screen and tie up units as quickly as possible and follow up with the Wolfen to clean up. Then coming in with Murderfang mid-battle in the pod for added chaos and confusion. I know full-out aggro lists usually don't do all that well, but I'm thinking the wo- I'm think running the wolves up front as quick as possible to tie units up and to track them will allow the hard-hitting wolfen units with Yaras when the HQs clean up the field nicely and quickly. I am open for any additions or subtractions you can come up with as long as you can keep it close to the spirit of little to no guns in the list. The list totals out at 19.99 for my calculations. Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. And I think we figured it was going to be a Vanguard and a uh, Outrider. Yeah. Because he's got three HQ, so he can split it between the two, and there's... Three elites and th- three fast. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. I don't see a ton that I would change in it. I, I'm looking at this list, what? and I think a lot of my KDK list. Yeah. Because that's exactly how I used like, the Corn Hounds as kind of the screening units, and then I had Blood Crushers and like Chosen and stuff running in behind, and then... A Mauler Fiend, which is basically what Murder Fang is. Yeah. And like, and then the, you know, <laughs> Logan was basically the, dam- the Bloodthirster. So yeah. I'm like, it can be very good. Yeah. Yeah. And play with it. <laughs> I mean, Rob and I were talking through this before we started and we looked at, well, can we swap out Murder Fang for a different Dreadnought? And just he's like, pull- no, he's the best. He's he, the best one. He is the best yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bjorn is also really friggin' good, but Bjorn is also 180 points before War Gear and Murder Fang is 180 points. Including War Gear? Yeah, 170, yeah. 170, yeah. okay, yeah. So, it, it's, Murder Fang just fits that, and he doesn't have points to play with unless you dropped things, and... Do and, you think he needs the dread, the drop pod? 
Uh, yes, depends. because Mur- Murder Fang only okay. he moves what eight inches, eight inches, eight inches. Okay. So, so he's the slowest up, element yeah. of the army, and he's no good sitting on the backfield. All right, fair enough. So I was just wondering. I the, didn't know the, if it was worth it. And to we're, we're going to be talking about drop pods later. Okay. The, the drop pod <laughs> is not a great way to deliver him, but yeah. it's the only way yep. currently, short of having him hanging off of a storm raven, which they can't take. Yeah, because they can't take him on the the wolf. Mm-mm. Whatever those things, right? Yeah, the the storm wolf. So, I mean, storm wolf, that, yeah. that was the only, the, yeah, the, the only things I was really looking at is maybe swapping Murder Fang for Nyal, not Nyal, Bjorn. Or um, <laughs> but no, not Nyal. <laughs> but it, it just fits. Um, yeah. Because if he if he wanted to take, um, no, because he can't take Murder Fang out because Murder Fang is one of his three elites. He, yeah. Yep, he has to yep. have an elite. So I mean, honestly, like the only thing. The only thing I can even think of is like you know maybe no you you still could what because if you dropped an elite then you could still have that as your um, outrider right and then move your other because HQs you can into have a, two elites in a can you have three HQ no you no can't. but you'd have to drop you, an HQ no keep the HQs but then put, only have one HQ there put your three other HQs because you you're adding Bjorn okay and then uh, a supreme yeah, command okay. right yeah. So that and it comes that, up to the same basically. No, it's not the same points. You well, have to drop other things. Yeah, but it comes up to like the same command points. Well, if you stuff, figure because yeah. no, you, well, get if you drop more command points. Well, if you drop Murder Fang and the Drop Pod, that's a hundred. That's two hundred fifty points right there. So you could drop. You could basically because because Bjorn's got yeah. a gun, so he doesn't necessarily. He can camp an objective in the back and defend it. Yeah, which Murder Fang really. I mean, Murder Fang has a storm bolter and a heavy flamer he's not really going to be doing because he's, he's going to get in there and shred things yeah because right. the two things i like about bjorn is uh one he gives you more command points mm-hmm. yep. two he has the invone not the invone the feel no pain right and that is something murder fang doesn't doesn't bjorn also have and I'm, I'm looking it up right now doesn't he also have like an aura ability yes he has the same aura ability that um logan has Okay, it was the same. Okay, but again, if everybody's running away from yeah, him, that won't matter as won't, much. Yeah, unless he because he's not going to keep up with his only eight inches of movement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is the same. He he's under a different. It's a different name because they name everything differently now. But, yeah. that's, uh, but it's the same rule. But that's that's, that's, what, that's what I like about him over over um, Murderfang yeah. is the hell the True Claw. Strength twelve, AP minus four, D six damage. You reroll wounds. He's yeah. He's much better at. He's much better than Murder Fang is at, at big targets. Yeah, um, and that's that's the one thing that's the one thing that I think would be an advantage is you have a lot of other things that can shred infantry. You don't, I mean, thunder hammers and stuff, but you don't have as much that can take out knights if you run into those or other you know big vehicles. So having, I could see the argument for swapping Bjorn out and having somebody that has a little extra punch for yeah. going toe to toe with a knight. Right. The only thing about that is you'd have to either drop both Murder Fang and the Drop Pod. Yeah. Which or, I think, yeah, which I think you or just Murder to, Fang yeah. and probably a couple of your your um Thunderwolves. Which I don't want to really drop These them because yeah. Thunder what's the what's the min size on the Thunderwolves? Three. Three? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I kinda like and like you could play around with the margins on the Wolfen, but I kinda like having the larger squads. Yeah. Well and also like okay, so the Wolfen like the great frost axes, they're strength eight with those. Yes, yeah. So super squad. still are, can can take out big things too with yes. the thunder hammers and the and the the frost axes. So yeah, 
No, I, I, yeah. I think you've got things to deal. It could get easy for this army to get stuck into a, like, get tar pitted by some, like, like, they hit screeners. Like, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. the, like, for example, the two, li- now, maybe putting this up against these two lists would be kind of rough. The two lists that were the top two in Adepticon, which is like, but I'm thinking like 30 plague bearers. It, this list is going to have trouble dealing with that just because you can't, you'll have trouble putting out enough damage unless you send multiple units to chew through that one unit. Which it sounds like he probably will probably push everything forward. Right. And also, um, let me amend my Murder Fang thing. Murder Fang's also strength 12, AP minus 3, 3 wounds, so yeah. okay. it's it's going to be comparable. So, yeah. I mean... Now, Murder Fang, Murder Fang will get worked on. Like yeah. I said, the, the drop, the limitations on, on deploying him via drop pod... You'd have the same if you hit any right. dreadnought. Yeah. So, I think all in all, we... we think the list as is is pretty I, solid i w- anything any changes we would make at this point is going to start pulling it it's going to be slightly to taste and it's going to but then beyond that we would start pulling it away from that the, theme of no guns right that's one, why i think the only thing i could think of would be swapping the dreadnought because the one change that i might make and you mentioned this in this the plague bearer unit kind of made me think of it i might split the finnerzian wolves into two five-man units instead of 110 because that allows you to tar pit a cup two units and harass a couple of units rather than just one at a time. Because like that's one thing I would do in granted seventh edition, but with my cornhounds, I would take multiple min size units to harass things and tie them up, and then you get the assaults with your wolf in behind them. No, that's a so good that, idea. So yeah. that that may be again, that's it's just tweaking the margins, but it might be worthwhile having two separate units. Yeah. Instead of one one big-ish unit. Also, Fenrir's and Wolves, I think, have crap leadership. So they do. That, that also... Because actually, yeah, because if they're... If they're yeah, a- leadership four on the regular Wolves and six on the Cyber Wolf. So I think smaller units, two smaller units would probably be better. Be- yeah, because if they lose... the It would be very possible for a large unit to lose a few models and then suddenly use a whole bunch of models yeah. from morale. So like, yeah, like you hit a, you hit a block of Plague Bearers with ten... They're going to break. You're, you're going to break and lose the whole unit. That's less impactful if it's five. And you might get lucky and tie them up for a turn and then be able to hit. Or, or use them so. just as, you know, you use them as yeah. uh, Overwatch yeah. fodder and, you know, against a shooting unit. And then you bring in your Wolfen or your. So, I, yeah. So I'd almost kind of think of this, like if, if you split them up that way, I almost kind of think of this as two separate armies where you have basically a, a Lord on a Thunderwolf, a unit of Thunderwolf. A unit of wolves kind of screening them, and then Logan or Murder Fang kind of coming in behind him. Yeah, and just two well, Logan Logan doesn't have to come in behind him; he well, can I mean, keep but, up with them. But like being the like heavy hitter in that group. Yeah, and then another group that's the same with the, the other heavy hitter. Yeah, and you can kind of split your army and like a kind of almost like pincer things. Like I think that's kind of an interesting tactic idea. You run the risk of splitting your army up too much, but right. I, th- I think that could work out really well, though, if you if you play it enough and get kind of used to how it operates. And one thing he doesn't mention, but uh, he sh- he should probably put like the Wolfenstone on one of the Thunderwolf Lord, like the Lord. Yeah, is and that is that the best relic for like an all out assault assaults? So yeah, the Wolfenstone would be a good choice because uh, it gives an extra attack for models within three inches of the bearer, uh, but not units that are affected by Curse of the Wolfen hunt earlier in the turn but then the wolfen are giving anybody within six inches well okay maybe not then because if you're running the wolfen near the thunder wolves anyway they're already going to getting be getting the benefit of curse of the hunt and okay. the wolfenstone specifically won't affect them um 
So, uh, just so, the other yeah. thing, because I'm paranoid now, and I just thought of this. Logan is an HQ and not a lawyer. He is right? an HQ. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we double-checked okay. that. Just want to make sure. We, we checked that just, up just front. Just decided that I should probably ask that question. Uh, actually, no reason. Just, actually, you know. since the uh, since the f- Wolf Lord and Wolf Guard Battle Leader have Frost Axes, they could take Black Death, gives them an extra D3 attacks Ooh. when they fight. That's plus two strength, good. minus two AP, one damage. Ooh. Yeah, so... Okay. That, yeah, there you go. That. That's that's the, the relic you take, is Black Death. But yeah, that's the There's, thing. Like, you keep the... Because the, the wolf and our are also force multipliers, because yes. they let everybody reroll failed uh, charges and additional attacks once they're, like, stuck in. So, like, if they charge, they don't get it, but then uh, if mm-hmm. they haven't wiped the unit yet, then they get an extra attack when they fight next time, so... Does Logan have to be the HQ if he's in, or the the warlord if he's in the army? No, he does okay. not. So, uh, is there a warlord trait or anything? I mean, I, uh, we'd have to yeah. check that down because it's oh, not that's in the right, codex. They changed him. They oh, changed right. him. Okay, well, you can figure out the warlord trait then. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> no, yeah. One that I, I guarantee there's one of the sagas that gives you like extra attacks and stuff. So, or I remember the the saga of the bear might not be bad if you're going to be running the HQs up front. Yeah. Because I imagine in this list you would be you'd be running them. So okay, line. so Logan has Saga of Majesty. Um, if a unit is affected by this saga, they automatically pass morale tests. In addition, if your char- warlord is a character, increase the range of any R abilities they have by three inches. Ooh, that's actually really good. That's really good. Now the Deed of Legend, because it only affects him until yeah, until he yeah, until yeah. he. It, uh, and that does or does not include explodes, but uh, which I don't think you have other than murder fang and the drop pot. I don't think anything in this explodes anyway. Uh, but his deed I of legend, Storm Rider would explode. But his deed of legend is slay the enemy warlord with his warlord. No, Storm Rider does not explode. Oh, so it's a hard it's a hard one to pull off. On the other hand, Saga of the Wolfkin. Um, if a unit is affected by the saga in the fight phase, add one to its attacks characteristics of all its models. If it made a charge move, was charged, performed a heroic intervention. Deed of Legend, slay a total of five models in the fight phase with this character. So that's probably the one you want. Because yeah. Put that one on the Wolf there. Lord. Because you're yes. going to get that one. <laughs> the Wolf Lord, who has the extra attacks because you took Black Death on him. Yeah. <laughs> so what was Saga of the Bear? I know you just had to make an armor save. Uh, saga of the Bear successfully passed a saving throw. Uh, gives him six up, feel no pain. That not bad either. That's and it cre- becomes a six-inch aura of that if he... Not bad. Yeah. yeah. And it's any saving throw, so he's got a storm shield, so... Yeah. I mean, the wolf so in one if you're being options. attacking, yeah. bear if you're being defending. So there's, yeah. a couple, there's a couple good options. That's yeah. good. Or, let's see, yeah, and so or Saga of the Hunter, a unit affected by this saga in your charge phase can charge even if it advanced earlier in the turn. Deed of Legend successfully charge an enemy unit. What? Warlord. No, that is now my favorite one. So, I yeah. love attacking and charging. Or so, advancing and yeah. charging. That's game breaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no, not. It's like well, most no, of our armies. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, has, that has the ability to like change the way your army plays. That's what I'm saying. Like game breaking in that like it's game changing. Okay. But I would say, yeah. Anything I, that can like fundamentally break the core rules is is a ability you want to try to get. I mean, the morale <laughs> bonus is nice. But I don't think you want Logan as your warlord. Yeah, I, really I mean, don't think honestly, no. the morale bonus, like, what's what's the? And also, he already that? has a six-inch bubble of friendly, well, wolf guard units uh, within six inches of him. Don't have to take morale checks. What's yeah. The, what's the what's the leadership on Wolfen? Because that's the only Seven. units that those are the only units that you would ever really need to worry about. And as long as you keep the the lords close to them, then they should be fine too because they can use their leader. Like your leadership isn't really well, going to be a problem with this army. No, I don't, I don't think know. they have auras like. Oh, that. they don't. Okay, no. mm-hmm. I don't. 
other than Wolfen, I don't think leadership's really going to be a problem in this army, though. So I don't know that Logan's ability is super useful here. Because you really only have two units you'd be worrying about if you split the wolves separate. Right. So I I I would go I would either go with Wolfkin or uh Mark of the Hunter, because th- those are those are both great. <laughs> and yeah, I'd lean towards Hunter or Bear. Yeah, but so basically you've got options. Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, just depending on how you want to play it. So I think I think it's very well designed for it. Like we're we're talking about fudging on the margins because I think it's for what you're wanting to do, it, this is about the best way really to solid. do it. Yeah. yeah. And I like it because I like assault armies. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, and also by not run I mean, I know like I look at the Thunderwolves and I'm like, wow, there's no like Thunderhammer Storm Shield, but now you, but at least now you're not hitting at a penalty either. Right. Yeah. That, you know, and frost axes are really good. Because it makes you what, really like strength? Good. It's plus two strength. Yeah, plus two strength. So strength, uh, and Thunderwolf Cav already Strength what? six, strength seven. Let's so Thunderwolf Cav put you at uh, you are strength four, so it'll put you at strength six. That's very good. That's yeah. gonna that's gonna. And then you've things. got strength five teeth and claws on your on your Thunderwolf. Yeah. No, I I mean I don't really have much feedback for it. I think it's and you still ha- and thing is you still have if it matters you still have frag and crack grenades. I mean, you still, if you need yeah. something that's going to ha- be more likely to crack armor, you still have it, but uh, you've got stuff to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Punching and, also cracks armor. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, especially with some of the things in here that can punch. Yeah. So, no, I think, I think for the theme, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. It's like, I can't think of anything I would really change that isn't already yeah. handled. So I said, big thing for me that I think of is split the Fenrisian wolves into two units. That's yeah. Really the only, and you've got I space have. to do that in an outrider. Yeah. You've got, you've got little to no command points with it. You're going to have five command points with this army, but do, do space wolves have like any really great stratagems though? Like, I don't, I don't know that they have any that, that well, they're an army that necessarily, and the way this army's built, you're, yeah. you don't, you really don't need really to worry about, about the, like interrupting combat. You're yeah. going to be doing most of the charging. Well, you don't need to really worry about rerolls because you're already doing most of the. You've already got that. For you're getting a lot part. of your benefits from the deeds of legend. So I don't know that you really need the command points. Like I mean, I'm sure there's probably some things in there, but I, I if I'm I and yeah, I'm just trying to remember. I don't remember any like just stand out like oh this stratagem. Um, Overwhelming savagery. Choosing unit of Thunderwolf cavalry this, during the fight phase for one CP. Reroll wound rolls of one for I that mean, that's unit. That's very useful. That's that's useful. Um, uh, let's see. Trying to think of trying to find Wolfen related ones also because I mean those are going to be the main There's ones. There's probably another one. Yeah, I think there is a Wolfen specific one somewhere. But yeah, like I don't know that the command point, the lack of command points, is going to hamper this army as much as it will other armies. Right. They have one that for wolf, uh, space wolf dreadnoughts, other than murder fang or a wolf and dreadnought. I don't think they really have any stratagems that affect specifically wolf and really like overwhelming savagery. And, um, if one of your squads of, uh, thunder wolves gets reduced down to one model, make them lone wolf. Oh, that's cool. No, no, wait, can't hit oh. space wolves infantry only. Ah, okay. So no. So yeah, really, um, overwhelming savagery is going to be the only one I can think of. If somebody's playing a leadership modifier, you can do laugh in the face of death 
choose a Space Wolves infantry, bike, or cavalry unit from your army that's affected by an enemy unit's ability that modifies leadership. Reroll all failed hit rolls for the Space Wolf unit in this phase. So that could come in handy. And the only other one that jumps at me is seeking a saga for one of your characters. If they're in the fight phase, they can reroll um, wound rolls if they're next to something that has, has a, a higher power rating. Yeah. So, I mean, just little things. Yeah. yeah so, so, like I said, the la- so, so, only having five command points isn't going to. Right. Really and we determined there's not the other. Like, there aren't any. Eno- there aren't enough relics. Um, actually, yeah. there's one other relic you might take. So, I could see, like, the command point to put a relic on, like, the, bol- the, the battle leader or somebody. Armor of Rust. You get a four up invulnerable save. In addition, at the start of the fight phase, choose an enemy unit with an inch of this model. The unit fights last in combat. Ooh. Okay, Which that's useful. could be useful. Yeah. You don't need the invone save. Right. But but if somebody charges you or yeah. you roll into like yeah, if somebody charges you, you can't be chosen to fight until all of their models that so even if they charge you, they don't go first. Hmm. So it kinda it kinda gives you a little bit of a counter charge ability. Yeah. If you wanted to. It's yeah. it's if you want to spend one of your five command points on that. But yeah, so we really just don't have a lot to add to the list. I think it's fine. Yeah. So all right, and if you have a list you want us to look at or a letter you want to write us, question, critique, uh, suggestions, uh, there's three good ways to do that. First is our email, which is our first name at Preferred Enemies, so Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at PreferredEnemies.com. Also, we've got our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Preferred Enemies. You can uh, like that, follow there. Uh, we uh, kind of post what's going on, both with Midwest Conquest, with 40K in general, post news, commentary, things like that. You can send us messages through that. Or we have a Twitter. It's Twitter, or uh, it's at Preferred Enemy yep. uh, on Twitter, uh, singular. And uh, we basically post updates to all those. We take questions on all those, and we take all the questions together that we get. We put them into a hopper, and we will get to them basically about three or four an episode at this point yep. uh, until we can, you know, as we get through them. Uh, so, and also we have a Patreon. Yes. Uh, our Patreon is at patreon.com slash preferred enemies. If you want to help support the show, help fund our trips to events, help us pay for new equipment, um, help us buy stuff for the raffle army. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we're, yeah. If you want to help yeah. us out, and we are working on getting, we just, we've put together like dice for some of our Patreon listeners. I think we're looking at objective markers next, uh, battle cap. Markers has done some fantastic work for Midwest Conquest, yeah. so we may hit him up on uh, maybe doing some swag for our listeners. Uh, but if you want to do that, uh, even if it's just a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up, and it's yep. really helpful, and we really appreciate it. So we're going to take a break for sponsor identification, and when we come back, our first take at datasheet doctors and uh, space marine units that could use a little love. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. 
You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and so it's time for our main topic, which is Datasheet Doctors, Adeptus Astartes Space Marines Edition. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, we were going to use this as an opportunity to look at some of those units that uh, don't quite make the table as often as they probably should, and trying to figure out why and what could possibly be done about it. And this is all going to be our opinion. Don't take this as any sort of authoritative... <laughs> Units must be fixed this way. This it's more yep. a set of suggestions, really. This is this is the only way they can be fixed, and if they're not fixed exactly this way, then we're going to complain more. <laughs> I vote we fix them with super glue. Um, I don't mm. know if that would help in some Plastic cases. Plastic glue tends to work better, but you know. So super so when I too. when I first glued the data sheets all together, so you can't <laughs> see them, <laughs> and then no, and then nobody will notice that nobody's tent. In that case, I would recommend Elmer's glue because that works really good for binding the paint. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, when I first kind of the idea for this popped in my head, I was looking through it like I was working on putting together like a Blood Angels list using my like the premier mm-hmm. stuff I've picked up. And I like was looking through the list and I said, wow, the stalker and the hunter. Oof. There's a pair of tanks like we never see on the table. And it's like, why is it? Because it's like you look at them like they're not bad at what they do, but why don't they make the table? And so I, I put yeah. out the question to our audience and said, so what like on Facebook, like what are some units that you would love to see on the tabletop, but you never do anymore? And what not because they're actively bad. Like, there are some units that are just bad. There are some units that are just poor choices. But units that are like, this unit shouldn't be bad, but they're just units that edge it out for some reason or other, or this unit doesn't quite work the way it needs to. And there were a lot of, a lot of suggestions. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Until you mentioned the Hunter and Stalker, I forgot they existed. I see, and that's because <laughs> you never see them. <laughs> You never see them. Think about the whirlwind. When's the last time you saw a whirlwind on the table? Yeah. <laughs> and again, not necessarily because it's bad at what it does, but just there's so many there are other better choices. Yep. Uh so we put out this and I, I collated like the answers. I don't think I, I don't know if I got all the Twitter wins in, but they were kind of representative of also yeah. the same, kind of the same list. And so the the first four units we're gonna look at all happen to be in Adeptus Astartes of many flavors. Yep. And that is the Drop Pod, the Dreadnought, the Land Raider, and Tactical Squads. Why don't we just start with Drop Pods? 
Remember once upon a time, the all drop pod Space Marine Army was like the thing? Yeah, I don't miss yeah. those days. <laughs> I also remember when uh, doors were part of oh, the model. My. Oh, my God. God, I yeah. don't miss that conversation. They yeah. still haven't made that clear. I don't miss those conversations, though. Yeah. No, I don't. So as as a quick aside, before we get into this too much, I was just of how much the game has changed. I was cleaning out some stuff in my house. You found another I, army, didn't you? No, I found like the sixth and seventh edition army list, like just that I take into events. Uh-huh. And wow, the game is so radically different now. Yeah. Like I was like, I was going through the seventh edition and I'm like, how did this list even work? Oh no, that's right. Cause this is built in this formation and this is in this detachment and this gate and this benefit. And I'm like, I don't, don't miss, the, miss this crap. No. <laughs> and e- even the specialist detachment rules from like vigilists don't, come near no. the the yeah. craziness that was formations so so yeah the drop pod dedicated tra- okay if one thing it's a dedicated transport now so it's very easy to put in yeah. any kind of army yeah so that's great it's immobile but it was always immobile yeah. and, and like i said once upon a time like you played a drop pod army where you dropped like Half your army came in turn one, and the other you you didn't deploy anything on the table, and then half your army came in turn one, half your army came in turn two. You could just drop everywhere, just drop these things right on objectives. Win, you know, win game. Yep. And now they are a lot of people do consider them to be garbage. Well, how are they with the new rule that you can't put anything on until second turn? Um. Well, Did that they, they're considered. So you 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 can't. With yeah. them, anything that's in them is embarked in orbit, and then yeah. they come down as reserves. So and that was one of those like the first thing that jumped into my mind looking at drop pods. If they were a way to break that rule that you could drop them in turn one, you would see them more. Or even like, if you did half of them, like it used yeah. to. Yeah, like if they had a or, special rule. Yeah, that says, if they had a special rule where it's like you take the number of drop pods in your army, cut, cut it in, in half, round up. That many can come in turn one. And can bypass the other restrictions for like turn like reserves. Yeah. So you can't actually drop pod your army in outside of your deployment zone on turn one. Yeah. You would immediately see them turn out more. And this. you would see, I think you would see more marine armies, yes. you know, making you know, making the cut. Um so so there's that difficulty. There, you know, the difficulty of you know, they can't come in until turn two, yep. which there's a lot of armies that deep strike in special units. Okay, fine. That's, you know, maybe, you know, yes, drop pods being able to break that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it would be a match play thing only. Yep. Because that's the only time it matters. One of the other problems is the way deep strike works now with the nine inch mm-hmm. limitation. Because back in the day when drop pods auto corrected, like yeah. if I'm going to act, I'm going to roll scatter. Oh, look, it's going to drop onto this enemy unit. Beep, 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 beep. I'll just move it over until it's like an inch away. Yeah. Drop it in. Now you have these, a, you, you have to have these clear bubble, like yep. a, an 18 inch wide plus the width of the drop. So basically you have to have a 21 inch zone that is free from the enemy, enemy yeah. models to drop this thing in. And the units within them have to stay oh, that distance away from yeah. enemy models as well. So you need to end up having more space. Yeah. yeah. It's. It's not ideal. Well, um, no, not more space because they have yeah. to stay within. They yeah, they, they space, stay yeah. inside that away from nine inches. Well, as well. So, so you end up. So it's, it becomes not just a twenty-one inch bubble. It has to be like a twenty-four inch bubble because you have to be able to put the models out right that, away from nine. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it may be a way to a way for the drop the the drop pod to break 
the reserve rules and to break, maybe break the nine inch rule or, or something like that would, would help it. Um, do you, do you have to disembark immediately from the drop yes. pod? Yes. That would be the other thing that I'm thinking might, would be useful and would simplify it a little bit. I don't know that it would help people use it more. If the drop pod comes in and you could choose to keep the unit in it for a turn and then disembark on like the next turn, then it provides, then it's something that provides, you know, a box for troops or something where it's like, okay, there's, they're on the table, but there's a turn where they're protected. Which is kind of how the Lucius works, yeah. if I remember right. Like the drop yep. pod can stay, or the dreadnought can stay inside and yep. basically get cover. Yep. And then have cover or you know, not be on the table so you're not being shot at. Yeah. And, and then they can disembark. And then at that point, it just operates like a rhino or any other vehicle, which right. we don't see rhinos that much either. But <laughs> you see rhinos more that you're starting yeah. to, like rhinos have started making a little bit of a resurgence, but, uh, and also the fact that right now, what are you? Back in the day, you paid what thirty five points for a drop pod. Yeah, they're sixty three now. They need to be cheaper. They absolutely need to be cheaper. I, or, if they change the rules on them, no, they don't well, need to be cheaper. Sure, but yeah, like it, I'd say maybe fifty points. Yeah, because like I said, all these ideas I'm throwing out there are not. They're not like oh, you do all of these. It's like you could do this or this. Like if they're going to stay operating the way they are right now, they need to be something like thirty five points again, because. If you can't, you bring them in until turn two and you have to have this huge bubble. Yeah, they're not really that useful. So they need to be dirt cheaper. Cheap. Um, one thing that would be interesting and it, um, would be to give them like objective secured because they don't have that right now. So if you're going to park them on like an objective, I, it, it would be interesting because if you can figure out how to get them on an objective that's not, you know, like you could. Again, it's the yeah. problem of the whole point of a drop pod is to drop it amongst the enemy, yeah. and you literally you can't, can't do that. Yeah. They also need to very clearly spell out for once and for all what is considered the drop pod. Yes. Is it the central hole? Doesn't include the doors because if it, it includes the doors, doors, now you're nine inches from the end of the. the yeah, now you basically have to have the entire board free. Well, to drop it, in a drop pod. Then it basically doesn't matter whether you do the turn one reserves or not, because the only place you can drop it would be in your deployment zone. Right. Yeah. Now, the, <laughs> I, I think, okay, drop pods, I would be fine if the drop pod itself had the nine-inch restriction if the unit inside did not. Because yeah. then, the whole point of the drop pod is you Get drop in the unit and then they just rush into combat. So, I mean, I could see that, but it would be also, don't count the doors. No, hull only. Hull only. And I don't know if you'd want to be say that they could assault that turn or no, not. No, uh, you can assault getting out of a rhino. Oh, okay. So, it, basically, treat it as disembarking from any vehicle. And so then they would have a really short assault then, because if you drop the drop pod nine inches away, mm-hmm. they can move their six, six inches. So well, you can still roll snake eyes and fail, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's my question, and maybe this is the this is the most radical su- solution I'm going to suggest. I I'm sure. Do we even need to have drop pod models? Because yeah. we have tele- teleportation chambers for like terminators and stuff like that where they just deep strike in and they land in a spot. Do we do drop pods need to not be models and just be a pregame stratagem? You put a unit in a drop pod, they drop down and they come down here. And then you don't have to worry about the space. I, I will say I like the models. So I'm, no, I'm I, I love keeping, the model too. But dude. I like what you just said there. Yeah. A drop pod stratagem that would let you maybe drop a drop a drop pod on turn one. 
or yeah, yeah or or a, a stratagem that when a drop pod comes in, spend one one points for one or three points for two, and they can they don't they're not limited to the nine inch bubble yeah. or something like that. But it's like I I think the big problem with the drop pod is. The fact that the units inside are just as limited yeah. as the drop pod. Yeah, the the nine inch well, bubble is probably the biggest limitation, and, the, and that's what I was thinking. Like, if you just eliminate the drop pod model, and you just say this unit comes down through drop pod assault and they land in this spot. Well, and I, I disagree with that because drop pods can still contest things. They still have a gun on them. I mean, you do lose some of those aspects, but it also it greatly simplifies the. Also, GW wouldn't like that solution because it means they're not selling a model. <laughs> True, but at that point, if it becomes like if it becomes a if it becomes like the teleportation strategy or something like that, you're also not paying points for it in your model. So that's extra points. That sixty five points would go to something else in your army. Yeah. So I, I that's what I'm wondering. I wonder if that may be the best solution is to have drop pods be an ability and not even be a model. I don't know. There's something. I, I'm kind of like, like I like the yeah. model and I like the, the the image of the model. Uh, also like. Once upon a time, you could actually put centurions in a drop pod and drop them in. You can't do that anymore. That's, it's just yeah. infantry models. Look. So that's the other thing. You need to be able to put terminators and centurions. And those well, types terminators of you don't. Or, terminators can teleport in, but like those types of models, like models in larger armor, and or be able to put freaking Primaris models in a drop pod. If you could put because right now you specifically can't. There's no reason why you can't. I. I dislike the idea and the whole the whole thing, and this will come into some of the other items that we talk about too. Where oh they're great, but you can only use them for old, the old marines. And it's like just let me put Primaris on a land raider or in a drop pod. Like just it works. Just make it work. D- d- yeah, <laughs> or like a a one CP stratagem that yeah. upgrades the drop pods harnesses so they're a little bit bigger yeah. and Primaris's fit. <laughs> Look, it already doesn't make sense. There's no way you can fit ten space marines in a drop pod yeah. so it doesn't matter that primaris uh, marines are slightly bigger hey, it makes no I, sense anyway I, I think <laughs> has the drop pod model changed throughout the editions uh so what, uh, once upon a time they had like a really old ugly like little bitty drop pod yeah i think the current drop pod came out in fourth fourth or fifth okay well still yeah, yeah, fourth, yeah. fourth edition space marines were still a little bit smaller than they are now mm-hmm so, I mean, the drop pod might have held, like, eight of the ten back in the day, and that probably could hold five of the ten. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I guess I, I kind of wonder if maybe just getting rid of the model completely and just making it, like, a stratagem and I'll, it I'll might say, be the way to make it. I'll, I'll say this to support that, though, Kevin, even though I don't yeah. want it to happen. I don't know that I want it um, to happen either. But. Space Wolves used to have to drop pod everyone in because yep. even their terminators would not teleport yep. right they because they were they didn't want to the about it. yeah they didn't want to go through the warp we're just we, we... <laughs> half their legion got sucked through the warp i wonder why <laughs> i wonder why they're worried <laughs> right. about this <laughs> and, and, and in current space wolves they teleport yeah so i mean we're slow they are slowly getting that's because the, the wolfen showed up and and yeah. we're like hey this is the oh, warp this is fine. this is not that bad <laughs> you got some of that good warp dust for us <laughs> 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 um but no but then it like it becomes if you make it like that then it just becomes a a way to standardize the deep strike rules for these other armies because like custodes have from golden light with you know they come which is like basically the same thing tau have manta strike and all these where it's like functionally it's different ways of deep striking in why can't drop pods just be the way that you deep strike in extra space marines and then you just kind of standardize it and it's just flavor on how it works no i i there's definitely an argument to be made for that 
I I do kind of like the model. Oh, I, I like, love the model. Like I, and I, I love the model, the, and I love the visual of like setting it down. And yeah, like, but yeah, right now it's just yeah. the model. I because I think because they're too they're too tied into the nine inch bubble. Yeah, uh, and they're for in a lot of ways because you don't have scatter anymore. The nine inch bubble makes sense. Mm-hmm. If any, if ever there was a unit that should be able to break that, yeah, it's this. There are there should be ways to break the nine inch bubble. Yeah, the Space Marines inside could break the nine inch bubble. That yeah. or like have to like the drop pod itself has to be nine, but the Space Marines well, can like, be six. Yeah, any because it says currently it's any models embarked inside must immediately disembark, but they must be set up more than nine inches away from any enemy models. Any models that cannot be set up because there's not enough room are slain. Yeah. It's <laughs> also yeah also requiring dreadnoughts to be in a special larger forge world only drop pod um, which they didn't used to it used to be like if you had a drop pod it could be 10 space marines or five a dread terminators or a dreadnought yeah. Yeah. well yeah, space wolves had yeah. five yeah well, it's like everybody yeah. else just used Sorry, to I'm, I'm but, space wolves no no that's fine <laughs> <laughs> we don't hold it against you but um <laughs> but yeah if you could put a dreadnought in a drop pod still just a regular drop pod yeah. that would also because that, that would help. that's kind of gets us into, dre- and, and, <laughs> into then, and then maybe use the lucius drop pod when it comes back for the primaris yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i yeah being able to put primaris in a drop pod would make sense in fact in fact so the, they've got like the warhammer adventures books like the the young adult fiction that they're they're putting out one of the things that happens very early on in the story is like Drop pods come down, they pop open. Primaris, like intercessors, nice. step out. One of my favorite like, things it, in you should be able to do this. One of my favorite things in Traders Hate when it came out was the story was about how they're deep striking, they're they're putting world eaters in drop pods and dropping them on this planet. And I'm like, oh, that's super cool. I wish we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, suddenly, I don't care about that. Chaos doesn't have drop pods anymore. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so getting into dreadnoughts. But yeah, so so drop pods remove like remove some of the restrictions on yeah. what can get inside, remove the you the unit inside. Because if the unit inside didn't have to stay within then I think you nine, might see it more. Yeah. And um clarify that the doors don't count. <sighs> maybe lower the price a little bit. Figure out way maybe a stratagem yeah. that lets you drop stuff in and match play on turn one. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a number of things you could do. To, to make the drop pod more palatable. Maybe not make it a killer unit, but make it a viable option, which yeah, it's currently yeah. just not. When drop pods are such an interesting thing to like the lore of Space Marines, it just doesn't feel right they're not being used. Right. Uh, which then takes us over to Dreadnoughts, which used to be able to ride in regular drop pods. <laughs> now they can't. So is this all Dreadnoughts or specific one? Um, I would say this really... In many cases, this is going to apply to all your standard boxy... like. Like what Mark Four pattern, yeah, dreadnoughts. Well, I mean, honestly, it can kind of even be expanded out a little bit because if you talk at like the Redemptors or the Contemptor dreadnoughts, you don't really see those either. Uh, you see, you're more likely to see a Redemptor than you are any yeah. of the others. Um, but yeah, this is mostly related, I think, to the Codex standard. Yeah, the, the non Primaris yeah. dropout dreadnought. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, mostly like regular dreadnought. Ironclad, venerable; those are the ones that are mostly going to be affected by this. Um, so, like, w- one thing is 
like again, this was one of those things. Remember the days when they everybody was pushing the whole mortise pattern dreadnought, where like the rifleman dread, where it had like dual auto cannons on each arm, and that mm-hmm. was like the craziest thing because it was just ridiculously good. Little psi can't psi ammo, psi bolt ammo, yeah. <laughs> Or the, the ironclad with like one yeah. the, the first unit like one of the first units in the game outside of a land raider that could have hurricane bolters. Well, that's the thing. The ones that can put that can take like hurricane bolters with the new beta bolter rule. Uh, actually, was that does that apply to dreadnoughts or is that only space marines? Uh, vehicles as well. Oh, okay. Because remember, it's like okay, vehicles, right. dr- vehicles, bikes. Dr- so. So the storm bolter one might might soon become very viable because it'll put out just so or the many hurricane shots. bolter yeah the hurricane bolter yeah like so that, the ironclad it puts yeah. out so many shots so that one might become more more viable just because of those tweaks um, but the other ones yeah they I think the other one just suffers the other ones suffer that they have like a good variety of weapons but they're not the best platform for any of them no they don't have the maneuverability they move six yeah. inches. They have, you have very few ways to deploy them. Like they can either foot slog, which they're n- no better than infantry yeah. at. They can drop pod in if you have a Lucius drop pod, or you can have them hanging off the back of a Storm Raven. If you have access to Storm Raven. If you, which standard Marines do, Space Wolves don't. So, um, one question I just want to make sure drop, uh, Dreadnoughts don't ignore like, they don't, yeah, they don't have any rules that, like, allow them to ignore firing heavy weapons and moving. Nope. See, that's one thing they could do right there. If they just give them, like, a stable they, platform rule. If they gave them a stable platform rule where you could move and fire a missile launcher or last cannon. Yep. That would make them more viable. Because there's a lot of things with, like, the point tweaks and the weapons where, like, you don't really want to change the we- those because, you know, a last can the way the game's designed now, a last cannon for everybody costs the same. Pretty much. So... Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot you can do with the point tweaks. I think the big thing is you just have to make them a more viable unit. Or and, and they did tweak the points, but you know, they're like they're 10 points cheaper than they were in the codex. You know, they've reduced them down to 60 points base before weapons. Mm-hmm. And that's another problem. I mean, so the Dreadnought, you usually see like, like one of the stock builds is like a ranged weapon, whether it's a missile launcher or LASCAN. A lot of times it's the twin LAS. And then a close combat, you know, like a dreadnought close combat weapon, yep. which means you are a mixed threat unit, but you're going to be picking a role where you're either going to be staying at long distance, mm-hmm. at which point you might as well have dual guns, or you're going to be close combat, which means you better have dual fists, in which case you're better off being a blood angel and having like a Furiosa dread or a well, death, and, com- or death company dread. And to be honest, I'll, I'll talk kind of about the elephant in the room about this too. Honestly, now that armagers exist, there's really no point to take a dreadnought because you can drop an armager into any army. Now, granted, now in ITC you don't get you're now playing Imperium faction, but like when you're building a list, rather than trying like you want to put some dreadnoughts in there, you have to build it into one of your existing detachments, or you can just slot an armager in there. And if you're doing into an auxiliary, into an auxiliary, and if you're doing Helverins, you're better at shooting. Yeah. If you're doing a warglave, you're better. You're better at melee. Yeah. Like, that's that's the problem. Now, granted, they're more expensive, but I don't know how much more. I don't think they're that much more expensive once you kept them out. Mm-hmm. Well, but uh, fortunately, I have Imperial Knights yeah, right I, here. Yeah. Um, but armagers are just better. Like they have better rules, and so, that's that's the that's the problem. So okay, so okay, an armager Helverin is going to be significantly more expensive, but uh, not including war gear. But the main guns are. 
are free yeah. because they're like the Helverin's yeah. the only thing they can take. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you're going to pay for is whether you take a melted gun or a stubber. But like, so let's say with a stubber, 174 points for a Helverin. Yeah. A dreadnought is going to be 60. Let's say, let's see, can it, so a regular dreadnought, it can place its, so a regular dreadnought can, they can't do mortise pattern anymore. It's mm-hmm. one arm or the other. Yeah. So you still can't do the double shooting. Um, and your weapons are going to be, let, let's just like a stock dreadnought. Yeah. Just, just a, an absolute stock dreadnought is 60 base plus an assault cannon, a storm bolter and a dread, dreadnought close combat weapon. A, an assault cannon is 22 points. So we're at 82 now. Yep. A dreadnought close combat weapon is okay. So yeah, it's 30 points for dreadnought close. So we're at, let's see, 60. We're at 102 or 112 now. Cause yeah. we, and then, like, the Storm Bolter's two points. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's about 50 points more, but if you look at your your profiles... Oh, it's not even... It's not um, even close. Like, the, the Armager is a lot... Armager has a five-up invuln. Yep. It has 12 wounds compared to the eight on the Dreadnought. Uh, the Helverin puts out a ridiculous number of shots, which are better than the Assault Cannon shots. Mm-hmm. It's got better mobility, Yeah. because the Dreadnought's only moving six... A weapon skill and ballistic skill are the same. The Helverin, like, the downside is it degrades because it's over yeah. 10 wounds. But you also have the ability to, if you build enough of them or you put them into another detachment with the knight, that you can take house traits. And yeah. all of the house traits work better for the armatures than any of the chapter space tactics. chapters do for, for dreadnoughts. Yeah. So that's that's part of the reason, I think, why you don't see dreadnoughts as well. Because I think armatures are just that much better for the points. Mm-hmm. So if you... If you reduce the points for what a dreadnought costs, that is one way to help it. But I think the bigger part, I think you just have to give them some extra rules like stable platform and stuff like that to mm-hmm. to just make them be able to shoot and move. Make it so that you can switch both arms out and do, you know, double double last cannon if you need to, or you know, or double close combat and have it be a melee monster. Right. Having um, having more options for shooting would be good. Honestly, I'd move I'd bump up their movement a little bit. Because, like, you know, we were talking about Murder Fang in the first section of the show on uh, Ethan's List. Murder Fang has an 8-inch movement. It's an assault. You know, uh, Wolf and Dreadnought has an 8-inch movement. Bump all Dreadnoughts up by 2 inches. Yep. Make regular Dreadnoughts move 8. Make Assault Dreadnoughts move 10. That would be pretty scary. It would be scary. But having... Because right now, it's like... This is a really this is worse than a tank. Yep. But not better but not more resilient than a tank. It's tough seven, which let's compare to like a predator, which a predator is a better choice. Yeah, and predator is gonna be tough eight at least. Yeah, so well and like you see on the uh the chaos the chaos side. No, predator's tough to oh, predator, tough, tough seven. But a predator has eleven wounds, right. which is this has eight, which that's a big difference. Yeah, but a predator also moves twelve inches and doesn't and doesn't uh, doesn't have well, problems well, when you okay. Know, from, I'll from say shooting to be yeah, it does. Or does fair yeah about the dreadnought moving slower. Have you seen the legs on it? I know they're short, stubby legs. They are short, stubby legs. But and if they redid the model, maybe I'd say okay, it's got longer <laughs> legs. It can move better. Well. Like, like so, a contemptor should be able to. We were, yeah. So we were specifically like one of the things we mentioned as well was like we're specifically talking about the which a contemptor does. It moves nine. 
See, so the, the short stubby legs is the well, problem. So one of the things we talk about here is we're specifically <laughs> talking about the Space Marine Dreadnought, not the Primaris Dreadnought. But I think it's an interesting comparison. Mm-hmm. Why do you see more people take the Redemptor? Because it's a gun platform. Because it's a gun platform and it has a specific role. Yes. So I think that's the thing. It's like the Redemptor has the the chain cannon and it has like extra like more and better weapons. I think if you just give the Dreadnoughts more options, I think you'll see more of them. And the ability to like move and shoot. Well, and also the Redemptor is strength seven rather than strength six. It is thirteen wounds rather than eight. Yeah. It moves eight inches rather than six. Yes, it does degrade, but it also okay, we like the dreadnought has an assault cannon, a storm bolter, and a close combat weapon. It can replace the assault cannon with one kind of gun. It can replace the close combat weapon with a missile launcher, and yeah. that's it. The redemptor stock has a heavy onslaught Gatling Gatling cannon, a heavy flamer, an Icarus rocket pod, two frag storm grenade launchers, and a redemptor fist, and then can replace the flamer with another Gatling cannon, can replace the heavy Gatling cannon with a plasma incinerator, can replace the frag storm grenade launchers with storm bolters. It's a much... But it's still just as capable, if not more so, in close combat. The redemptor fist uh, is... Basically, the close combat, dreadnought close combat weapon, mm-hmm. but does D6 damage rather than a fixed three and a strength and a strength 14 rather than strength 12. Well, and like, I'm okay with having the different profiles because actually that kind of is interesting because then you're like, okay, you have the uber dreadnought that's a little bit stronger and maybe can take like, m- maybe you restrict like one of the two of the weapons to just the bigger platform. Yeah. But if you basically take that same profile and say, okay, this dreadnought. You have the bigger version, and then you have the smaller version that can take smaller versions of all the weapons, mm-hmm. and you just price them out. Like this one's one hundred and fifty, this one's two hundred, and then you have the armature. You know, it's like then you actually have choices. Yeah, and it's like okay, I can kit this out for a role, and maybe that role is I'm just going to put heavy bolters on it or something. You know, or, you know, missile launchers, and maybe I mean we're talking about an armored walking coffin that yes. has a dead space marine in it. Uh-huh. What if its role is more of a kind of support thing? Like, mm-hmm. you make this thing tough to kill. Uh-huh. And you just, like, sit them on objectives, and you're like, try and kill it. Like, you, yeah. you, like, you pump up its toughness, one... You so, give it a better save. You give it an invulnerable yeah, save. Yeah. Why, why? You give it regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you make yeah. this thing like, I am not going to die. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because that's kind of the, the point. point. shall no, not move. True, yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, and you could do that without changing the Redemptor fluff-wise. Because yeah. if you yeah. read right. the Redemptor's fluff, the corpses that they, like, the, the, the Marines they strap into Redemptors burn themselves out. It yeah. wouldn't have the resiliency. It's kind of built into, it's a walking gun platform that's meant to charge forward, where, yeah, the old Dreadnought... Right. Give give it like the lieutenant make make every dreadnought a, a lieutenant where right. it, like it has an aura of reroll wound rolls for people around it. It's I'm a right. hero. Yeah. It's, but yes. it should be inspiring. Because well, I was thinking of that or, actually, or a null dread. Yeah, <laughs> where you put like a, a null in there and you get a bubble of like no psychics. Yeah, there. Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of the lieutenant or like because what I was thinking about is you mentioned that was like the, the greater possessed for chaos. Where, like, they have a bubble of, like, they add, you know, plus one strength or whatever. So, give them, maybe don't make them lieutenants, but give them, like, a some sort of, bu- some bubble where it's, like, because, again, as we talked about drop pods, dreadnoughts are iconic to space marines. 
Like when when you hear it and you read in the fluff, like when one of these trundles in the battle, it is a revered ancient like fallen comrade that's like participating in the battle. It boosts everybody's morale. It makes them fight harder. Put that on the table by like, no, this is now a buff character that it buffs out. And yeah, sure, you still have your weapons and platform, but it puts out a bubble of no. plus one leadership. But I, I like the, I like the, yeah. the plus one yeah. toughness and the yeah. feel no pain yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's a it's a sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. It should be very hard to crack the guy inside. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'll also say I like Kevin's idea of changing the role from like he- I mean heavy support. There still be heavy, but or elite was whichever. But because right now they're it's a basically a turret, right? Basically what yeah. but, but change them yeah. from the role of I'm either a gun turret or something like that to I'm a like a support beacon. Yeah, because uh-huh. that, ha- that happens to be yeah. able to put out shots. Because yeah. it's a gun platform, mm-hmm. but it's like the tenth best gun platform in the Space Marine Codex now because aggressors, centurions, tanks, like all better. So yeah, like change its role. No, I li- I, li- I like that sl- that suggestion, and like mm-hmm. you can combine both of those. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the idea. Like, yeah, turn it into a revered too. hero. Give all of the, you know what? Give all of them the character trait. Yeah. You can't target the dreadnought until you clear out all the guys that. Yeah. See, I thought that's why it only had eight wounds. <laughs> no. 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 Do, do dreadnoughts benefit from chapter tactics? Yeah. Uh, they have a chapter trait. Let's see. Chapter tactics, infantry, biker, and dreadnought. Okay. So they do, okay. but only the ultramarines one is any good is for that them. Ch- yeah, yeah. Because that's the one that lets you uh, about, fall back and shoot. What about the one that you can't be you get minus one to hit from more than twelve inches? Okay, yeah, Raven, Raven Guard, and well, an Iron Hands gets a six up, feel no pain. Yeah. So see, so so half of them, half of them, half of them are any good. <laughs> <laughs> but your point still stands. Yeah, yeah. which are They're the not ha- which are the half of the the chapter tactics that are good anyway. Yes, this <laughs> is true. This I is have true. seen a Salamanders player. <laughs> You've also seen a Slanesh player. <laughs> I mean, that's fair too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and and it, at that point, then I think their price their price point would be yeah. fine if yeah. they had the. And again, I think you yeah. could do that without changing without changing their movement, without changing the Redemptor, because the mm-hmm. like I said, the Redemptor is not meant to keep them survivable. Yep. It's meant to charge forward and die. Mm-hmm. But yeah. If you're gonna make some, if you're gonna give me a big slab of metal with a guy inside that is meant to stand and shoot, then make him toughen. And yeah. it doesn't make sense that Terminators tactical dreadnought armor have a better armor save than an actual dreadnought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and can move and shoot, and can move. <laughs> well, at least with bolters. Well, yeah. Which then I'm gonna go ahead and jump over to land raiders. Land, another iconic, yeah. Like yeah. all, all four units we're talking about are like iconic Space Marine stuff that no one takes. Yeah. Okay, I will defend the Land Raider a little bit because I actually use it in this edition. Uh huh. Yeah, but you're using the Custodes Land Raider, which is actually way better. Which it was oh, a okay. venerable <laughs> Land Raider. Yeah. Okay, you're, fine. You're using the with best a two up with, version of it. with like a two up ballistic skill. Yeah, and it's really good. And there's the thing, and I, but I think that's actually a good point because the Land Raider has a role in the Custodes Army. Yeah. Because they don't have other transports, Forge World stuff aside. Right. Um, they don't have a lot of things that shoot, that put bolter shots out that like can kind of provide some of that support or the last big, cannons. Yeah, the big last so like, cannons. They don't have, that fills a specific role in that army. Again, it suffers kind of from the same thing the Dreadnoughts do in the Space Marine Army. There's so much in here that it just doesn't 
have a good role anymore. So you're going to say the Primaris Land Raiders kind of changed the game for them? Just like, you know, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a defined role. Like it's, if you're taking the Predator for like the last cannon or a Land Raider for the last cannons, you're taking a Predator instead. Yeah. Um, if you're just looking to transport units, you're taking Rhinos. Yeah. And so, if you want a gun platform that has Land Raider stuff, you're you taking take the Repulsor. Or Repulsor, yeah. Now, to be fair, in Chapter Proof 2018, they did, you know, they've knocked like 40 points off the cost yeah. of the base Land Raider. So it's now like, so standard, you know, Godhammer pattern mm-hmm. Land Raider is two twin last cannons and a twin heavy twin heavy bolter yep. which puts it at let's see 280 plus the twin heavy bolter which it that one didn't change which is a twin heavy bolter is 17 so it's just shy of 300 it's like 297 points for a stock regular land that's, raider that's a lot i mean it, it's less it's than a lot it used less to than be, it used to be yeah but that's still a lot like that's still a lot for your army because they brought down the cost of the twin last cannon as well because they yeah. used to be 50 50 a pop so yeah it was like 300 some point well, like 350 uh, through no, yeah. you know. okay and land raider is only tough eight right it is tough eight yeah. see that's one of the things in land what? raider in previous editions its biggest benefit was all sides were the same armor Right. Unlike every other vehicle, that like mm-hmm. your front would be one, your sides would be one, but your back would be weak. And it was 14 all around. It, right. It, was, yeah. it had better armor than a knight, even, right. at the time. And so, if it wants to be that, like, the just bastion of defense, it, it needs a little bit more toughness. I, I kind of wish they'd give it, the, and I don't remember who has the rule specifically, but I know that... I think it's Tyranids or something like that that have the rule where like maybe it's Carnifex or something. Where it's like, Carnifex where they it, reduce the damage. They reduce the damage by one to a minimum of one. And it's like, I would like to see something like that where it's like, oh yeah, if you're hitting it with bolters or... You I know, think Marnius has that same rule. Yeah, he? I think yeah, he does. Yeah. Something like that where it's like, oh yeah, you're firing intercessors at a land raider. You're only doing one wound. You're only pinking off it. Like, yeah, you can still take damage to it, but you're not... You have to actually like... Yeah, make no, it survivable to small arms fire, right? Because right now you could you could take, especially with the bol- the new bolter rules, storm bolters can take out a land raider because tough eight's not that tough, right? Yeah, and you know you're getting you, and at that point, if you have anything with you know AP minus one, it's only a three up armor save, and you can literally chew through it with just bolters, and that doesn't feel right. Well, and so let's let's put this yeah. into comparison right now. If you put a land raider in close combat with, let's say, an imperial knight, imperial knight comes up to it and has a reaper chainsword or a thunder, you know, thunder fist, and hits it. Let's say it's got because knight has four attacks. Let's say it hits on three of them because it's got a weapon skill three three plus. Mm-hmm. So it hits on three. Uh, it's going to be wounding on twos, twos pretty much. Um, well, if it's the Chainsword, it's gonna be wounding on threes because it's strength twelve. If it's the oh, fist, gotcha. it's gonna be so. But let's say let's say it wounds with all three. Right now, that's eighteen damage. The land raider is at you know at, at AP minus five, four, five on the yeah. I've got the knight. Land raider will be hurting. yeah. The land raider will be dead because it has sixteen wounds. Yeah. Uh, the uh, thunderstar gauntlet is yeah. It's AP minus four. A Reaper Chainsword is AP minus three. So yeah. then you, you do have five up save with a Land Raider, which is nice. But let's say all three of those get through. Five up saves are still not great. Yeah. No, they're not. So you right now, 
you would take 18 damage off of those three hits. You're dead. Yep. Your, your land raider is dead. If it had the minus one damage, you take 15 damage. The land raider has survived, yep. which means the guys inside have survived. Yep. That right there, that, that minus one to damage would be great. Yeah. When I was also kind of looking and at it, it would give you that feeling of this thing is is you know built tough although i liked your other addition with the claw because if you did kill the land raider with the claw you, you can then just pick it up and go smash smash or throw, throw it somewhere it, yeah <laughs> well like i was looking for comparison i was kind of looking at granted forge world but the the uh spartan that i run in yeah. my world eaters army like it's got some of the same rules where it's like um you know it can move and doesn't have to, you know, can move and fire heavy weapons without yeah. suffering anything. Um, it can fall back and still shoot. Um, it can fire its weapons if the enemy units are within an inch. Um, it has an invuln save. Like, those are things that, like, you could add to, like, land raiders. Like, does the land raider ha- doesn't have an invuln save? No, it right? doesn't. Like, it should probably always have a save just to show how tough it is. Yeah. Um, maybe not an invuln, but maybe a feel no pain. Or may- like, yeah, maybe a no six pain. up feel no pain. Or, or- Regeneration. Yeah, I was gonna say auto repairs. Yeah, auto repair. A I mean, Rhino has auto repair. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. It, so just things like that to make it more resilient. Um, because that's that's really all it has to be. It just has to be tough to kill. Like, because if because if a land, I mean the the mo- the best probably the best version of the land raider is probably the uh, the one with the hurricane bolters, the crusader, because it also I, has the most capacity. Hurricane bolters. The point of that is to drive up with a belly full of assault troops and deliver them yeah and like it doesn't have to be like good offensive it just has to deliver its troops mm-hmm. so so make it tougher make it stronger make it last longer right um the other thing is it needs to be able to hold primaris models there's yes. no reason for there is no it reason. can hold jump troops centurions custodes terminators can. there's no reason for it yeah. to be able to it can hold yeah it can hold custodes there's no reason why it shouldn't be able to hold primaris <laughs> well, models that's why the custodes one's like 400 points or whatever it's because they retrofitted all the seats to fit the bigger battles <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, the whole primaris dis- delineation on vehicles makes no sense to me yeah and Again, you have to wonder, like, is this a fluff reason or is this to sell the repulsor model? Although there's rumors that there are going to be new lighter transports for Primaris that won't be. be quite so gun heavy to yeah. give them kind of a rhino equivalent. Yeah, there needs yeah, to be. there should be. They're mm-hmm. the ones that they already have. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the thing is, right now, what they have is a land raider that can fly with a slightly worse armor save. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and way more weapon options. But the, the reason why you do see it is because it is the only transport option for, for Primaris, and it has so many weapon options. Yeah, like it it has a role. Like its role is to be a, a shooting platform, a tank that can happen to hold tro- that can happen to hold troops. But the, for that one, for the repulsor, the troop transport is decidedly Se- secondary. For yeah. a land raider, it happens to have last cannons. It's meant to be a troop transport. It's meant to be. A, he- a deliver your troops to the front line, get them there, and and get them in your face. And I guess, you know, that kind of also goes in with the... Uh, something we don't really talk about much when we're talking about transports, because we tend to get stuck in, like, the capacity or, mm-hmm. you know, how safe is it for, for being inside. I think there's also the, what does the Space Marine Codex have in it that it needs to deliver? Yeah. And I think... It, what do you have to work that is worth paying 
200 some point, like nearly 300 points to deliver. Yeah. Because most of the stuff in this army is not worth that when you can deliver it with like, I can deliver 10, 10 tactical mm-hmm. Marines in a rhino mm-hmm. for a fraction of the cost of a land raider. And yeah, the rhino is not survivable. The li- the rhino is going to die, but if I'm just looking for a, a disposable wrapper mm-hmm. that can move my Marines forward, if I need to, the rhino is a better choice. How about some sort of rule that if your land raider does get destroyed, guess what? Your guys inside are fine. Yeah. That no no casualties. No casualties. That would be cool. That would all, yeah, if it was a safe way to deliver Yeah, that's a good idea. The other way and I remember this because I think the the one of the chaos codexes from Days of Yore had this ability. So to, to differentiate it as a assault vehicle, because now you can assault out of anything. What a what about if you gave it a bonus to assault when you reroll charge distance, reroll so. charge distance, or Plus ignore two. Overwatch? Because because you used to be able to put yeah. the um the it had, well it had an assault ramp built in that was its thing. Well, like in the chaos one, you used to be able to take the um the doom siren or whatever. You used to be able to take something that like specifically said no, you you don't suffer Overwatch, right? Do something like that. Steel Behemoth. Like, this thing is such a big thing that people crap themselves and don't fire Overwatch. Or, like, I, give it some benefit, some tangible mechanical benefit to the assault units. Or if you disembarked from it this turn, your Overwatch goes against it instead of the troops that disembarked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Just just something like that where it's like you provide an extra layer of protection. Because its role should be delivering troops and getting them there safely. So anything you can do, whether, and I love the idea of like, you just, it blows up. You don't suffer casualties. I yes, love that. I idea. totally like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like also like just something like this, because then in this edition, there's no differentiation between assault vehicles and regular vehicles. Yeah. So give it some rule to help it better with assault. Cause yeah, that was the re like you, like when I built my Templars, I took a land Raider crusader mm-hmm. and I put terminators in it. I would put five term. It had a capacity of 16, Five Terminators and, or like, or seven Terminators and, and a, a guy in power armor, yeah. like the Emperor's Champ or Helbrecht or something, yeah. or a chaplain or something. And that was there to deliver them immediately into assault. Mm-hmm. And that is not an option. I mean, you can do that, but there's no benefit you can in do doing that but you can do that with rhinos now yeah yeah well not with terminators well, but but, but again yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's like there's no yeah there's no benefit in spending all the points that you're spending on the terminators and the points on the land raider when now granted i do like that land raiders can't be one-shotted yep with in most cases in this edition they will not immobilize them immobilize themselves on the first hill you come across yep i like that that is nice yeah it is very so, nice <laughs> but yeah yeah to represent the fact that this thing has a specific assault egress out the front, mm-hmm. you need to have, yeah, any unit that disembarked from a, a land raider can reroll charge distances. Can't have yeah. overwatch. Plus maybe, two their charge distances. Yeah, I'd something. say like maybe plus yeah. three to their charge roll. Yeah. yeah. Something like to, that. Because yeah. that's just, the ramp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's one of those where like, you still wouldn't be able to assault outside of the 12. Because right. the rule is 12. But if now all of a sudden that nine inch charge becomes six, good. Like, I'm going to make it. Yeah, most, for most times. Yeah, so and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just some 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 mechanical benefit for assault would would help it. Because here's the thing, I actually don't want to see them get much cheaper in points. No, no, I think I think their point point costs like you could maybe maybe ten points here, ten points there, but 
There, no, I think f- yeah. if they had the rules that that reflected their role, this would be the the point cost would be worth it. Yeah. If they had the survivability and the ability to boost assault well, that they used to have, and they're meant to be like the iconic, like big centerpiece of the army, like yeah. you shouldn't be able to run seven of them in an army. No, so, so you're you know? saying this is what. N- now as a knight. Yeah, no, absolutely. The knight is now the centerpiece that used to be the land raider. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was the biggest, toughest thing you could... Before flyers, before super heavies, this was the biggest, toughest thing you could have in your army. And when you put one on the table, it made a statement. Yeah. And your opponent, it's like, if they didn't bring melta weapons or las cannons, they weren't dealing with it because they D-cannons wouldn't... worked. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like... you, <laughs> But you had to bring dedicated yeah, anti-heavy yeah. armor to deal with that. And I think... Yeah. Also, like, all the units we've talked... I mean, with the exception of the drop pod, because the drop pad had a very singular role, but, like, Dreadnoughts, um, Land Raiders, uh, and, and, like, you know, I don't think we're going to touch on Terminators this episode, but one thing yeah. about Terminators, too, which you have found with even, like, regular Custodes, which are kind of comparable, the change in how damage is dealt and damage is resisted in this edition, while I do like having the unified rule system between vehicles and infantry... It has not done vehicles any favors. No. It is much easier to wear a vehicle down by attrition mm-hmm. than it, it, it was straight up impossible before. You couldn't even glance a land raider before unless yeah. you brought unless you rolled really badly with your last cannon or melt gun. Nowadays, it's like I. Yeah, you can, you know, you throw enough bolters at something, you will chip yeah. away wounds off a land raider, maybe enough to slow it down. And yeah. and the deg- that's the other thing is the degrading on this thing. The minute if it's a transport that it's yeah. an assault transport, now like if it takes half its damage, it now moves half its distance. Yeah. And you've rendered you've effectively neutered that roll of it. Yeah, maybe the movement doesn't need to change at all. Like that would be another way to um, reflect that it's tough is that you just can't slow it down. Yeah, because like because the things that degrade are its movement, its ballistic skill, and its attacks. A, the attacks don't matter. Um ballistic skill, sure, that should change. But have it have it change. What if the armor save dropped from like two to three? Yeah, have like, like the it's kind of doing yeah. a blade of armor type thing. Yeah. Like when it's because I think because I would I would take that trade if I could still move uh, ten inches ten inches and just trade it to a three up to a four up armor save. I'd I'd take that go, all day. Well, yeah, like go two up three up or four yeah, two up three up four up. Yeah, I would I would I would take that all day. Yeah. Because then you're still able to use it in its role of delivering troops. Specifically delivering them into yeah. an assault position. Yep. And then finally, speaking of troops, <laughs> the tactical <sighs> squad, which we don't see on the table much anymore because people are either taking Primaris because they're going, they're leaning yep. into the, 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 the better bolt rifles or they're taking scouts because they just need a cheap troop choice to, to sit on objectives or to fill in the tax for a battalion to get yeah. more command points. So here's the thing though, thinking back, were tactical squads ever really good? No, they were just standard. They were standard. And cause I think about like when, like times in the past, like we, we, we talked about the old drop pod army. Yep. I also think about like, whether it was Space Wolves or Blood Angels, Razor Spam. Remember when those Yo. were big lists? With Blood Angels, it was, you took assault troop, assault squads mm-hmm. because they were troops. If you took them with that jump packs, it made the Razorbacks... They, you, they were basically attacks to get cheaper Razorbacks. 
Yeah. With Space Wolves, it was Grey Hunters because Grey Hunters could take more special weapons per squad and could mix in like Wolfguard, like the like Wolfguard commanders. Tactical Marines have always been like they are a very vanilla choice. But when you when you're going through, I just need vanilla troops. Are you going to go with the more expensive but still not stellar choice, or the much cheaper choice that is just there to hold objectives? And if you put them in cover, can actually be better in some yeah. ways than the than the Marines. It's one of those where like the people people always say like the advantage of TAC Marines is the fact that you can take mixed weapons. And in this edition, it's better to be able to take mixed weapons because you can shoot. At multiple targets, but one Meltagon or one Plasma Gun in a squad doesn't move the needle that much. No, you need um, volume of shots, yeah. not just uh, the occasional pot shot. So, <sighs> because again, in previous editions, when you could one shot a vehicle, mm-hmm. the guy taking the missile launcher, the LAS yep. cannon, the Plasma Gun, or the Plasma Cannon, or the one melt-a-gun, that could make the difference between popping mm-hmm. a vehicle and not popping it. Now it's like, well, chip off a few wounds. Yeah. Yay. Which is, yeah. Yeah, it's... So they're they're just... Their role... Their role is ill-defined right now because if you're wanting to just take troops with bolters, you, intercessors are better. Better, bol- better guns, better wounds, like better, you know, better toughness. It's... You need to incentivize people taking tax squads. So, like, one thing could be Maybe and I and I don't like these ideas because I don't like command point bloat. But maybe if you take, well, like um, you see see this in the um the Red Corsairs. Yeah. If you take three units of Space Marines, you get extra command points. I don't love that solution, but maybe that's a solution. If you take three units of Tactical Marines, you get extra. Benefits. That that's you're reflecting your. That's the flexibility is yeah, that you're getting command you're getting, flexibility rather than then, more fixed role. Yeah. Or. What about? I'm trying to think of of what army like recently started having like the the version of like I have super con- uh, su- objective secured. Yes, um, uh, custodes have like everything in the custodes are. Uh, Black Legion has a, like, a like a stratagem that says like for one turn. Like, I control an objective even if you have yes. objective yeah. secured. Right. Maybe that's something tactical marines have, need to have. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that's their thing. That's their thing. Yeah. Well, and it also doesn't help that intercessors, okay, sp- regular attack squads are 13 points a model. Yep. Intercessors recently dropped to 17, which makes yeah. intercessors, which intercessors were overcharged, yeah, were overcosted at 20. But now at 17, it makes tactical squads seem underpowered for the points and then there's another change which happened last edition and we really liked it at the time but now the more i look at it and it's not a change on tactical marines it's a change on scouts when their weapon skill and ballistic skill got better to be the same as regular marines yeah and i think because scouts are supposed to be marines in training i think they need to go back up to four up weapon skill and ballistic skill or four up armor or something. They have four up. Armor. Oh, they have four up armor for skills? no. But they have. Yeah, they're okay. basically they have yeah, marine or, stats yeah, just with, with worse yeah. armor. They need to. Yeah, they need to have. They they need their their weapon skill, ballistic skill. Because yeah. if that's worse, then it makes the scouts a little less attractive a choice. You don't change the point cost on yeah. them. They're you know they're still a cheaper choice. Well, at, at thirteen points a model for attack marine, I almost 
don't really want to drop their points much. No, though, no. Because I think- it's like that's – you get to a point where it's – you have to keep them being a little bit bigger, you know, more expensive than other things. But, I mean, I, I like the fact that intercessors have two wounds. Maybe space marines need to have two wounds. Well, and that's that, I mean, and that's the thing where like space marines on the tabletop have never really reflected yeah. space marine fluff because it's like I, I saw a uh, comic like a, a meme somebody posted. Actually, it was just la- last day or so, which made it seem very appropriate for the episode. And it was like it showed like a space marine guarding like a guardsman, and then like superimposed on on the space marine was. Imperial Guard on the tabletop and on these guardsmen, Space Marines on the tabletop. Nice. Because you're protecting because <laughs> yeah. the guard are really like the screening bodies, the the volume yeah. of firepower for like much cheaper yep. is just like the guardsmen are doing a better job at being Space Marines than Space Marines are. Mm-hmm. Because what do you get for your 13 points versus your what, like five for a guardsman? Yeah. It's a an extra point of strength and toughness, which yep. o- like the strength only matters in assault. The extra toughness is is nice, negligible because of the way the bell curve changed with weapons. yeah, because it flattened yeah. out the and with the average weapon strength really being four, yeah, you know, it, four or it, higher, yeah. yeah, it really doesn't, yeah, it didn't impact um, it. The three up weapon skill, which is nice, but I can get that on like the, there's things that you can get yeah. that on otherwise, and the three up armor save. Which again is nice, but math, but vo- because this this edition is all about the volume of shots yep. you can put in, math still fails you after a point. Yeah, and because you're running way fewer bodies for every for every marine I'm running, I can run two and a half guards. Yep. Yeah, and and the difference between a three and a four up save like is you know is negligible as well. So like yeah, you're not. Saving, keeping well, and guardsmen. I think generally five, five up, up save. Five yeah, up, yeah. But yeah, it, again, it's not it's not different enough when you're making that many saves that you're not really saving. You're not saving two and a half times more often, basically. Mm-mm. No. Yeah i I think that there needs to be in in general. I think for space marines, and this is just kind of a separate thing. I would like to see like tack tack marines have two wounds, intercessors have three, terminators have three, like just standard like everybody that's in a space marine body just get an extra wound mm-hmm. because I think that would reflect better their durability on the table compared to you know, compared to what a, a guardsman is. Yeah. Um and then it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you're paying eight more points, but you're getting you have an extra wound and you're getting this extra thing. So it's it comes closer to balancing out the uh, the point difference. And then that would also buff up if you do apply that same logic to Chaos Space Marines, yep. which, cause they're, cause their squads kind of fall into the same conversation mm-hmm. we're having. And same with, uh, Hellbrutes, same with their yep. Land Raiders. They don't have drop pods because, haha. Uh, but yeah, yeah <laughs> no, a tactical squad, yeah. At, you don't want to go like full on movie marine. Rules, yeah, I don't want to do that. Where like they're like five wounds each and two up, two up weapon skill, cool. two up ballistic skill, two could, up armor with a three up and vulnerable at all times. You, you and, could do that, but you have to make them like two hundred points per model, and <laughs> and you play with like eight space marines. Oh, you play custodes then, <laughs> right? No, exactly. No, custodes like, aren't even that good. But right. custodes are effectively movie. Mar- I mean, yeah. that's what they are. Yeah, close. Two, yeah. two with a two up, four up, five toughness, three wounds apiece. Uh, 
weapon skill to they're basically what movie marines are mm-hmm. you know it's like and in on the tabletop a custodes is what a marine should feel like yes. so if you bumped them up would you also bump custodes up a wound i would probably just to keep that differentiation uh-huh but like i i think they i think they probably all should have like one more wound like that just to diff because it also makes them feel the, superhuman yeah, yeah if the humans are your bog standard tough strength three one wounds Space Marines need to be more. Cause, you know, Terminators need to be more. Custodes need to be more than that. Well, yeah. And like, and the, like you said, Kevin, the differentiating in the past was armor. Yeah. That armor made all the difference. Toughness made all the difference. But with the new bell curve, mm-hmm. wounds are now what makes the difference yes. between squad or units. Yeah. And because like, the, yeah, the way the AP system used to work where it's like, if you weren't at least AP3... Then I always got my mm. better armor save. It didn't matter. Like if you were AP four, it didn't matter. I was still always saving on a three up. Now it's but then the trade off was if it was AP three, I didn't get an armor save. It would just cut through it. Now it's like, oh, you're AP minus one. Well, now my armor save is worse, and but I didn't get any better in exchange. Maybe tactical marine armor ignores AP minus one. Yeah. AP, treats AP minus one as AP. Or treats all AP as one as lower. As one less. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just standard Space Marine armor. I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely ways you could could do that just to, yeah. to And it would also allow, doing something like that would also allow you to differentiate, like, the, mar, like, Space Marine arm power armor from, like, Sisters of Battle power yeah. armor. Let Sisters yeah. of Battle still have the three-up save, but... Because I think Rubric Marines have that rule right now yep. where they either reduce damage by one or they treat the AP of all weapons better uh, by one. I think they reduce the... Yeah, I think they, they treat the AP better. Uh, all is dust. Add one to the saving throws. Uh, if the attack damage... Ha- add one to saving throws if the attack has a damage characteristic of one in addition to the minus one modifier to hit rolls from moving and shooting a heavy weapon. So that's how, at least as of index, how Rubric Marines worked. So... I mean, and that's the thing. Like, if you make this change, you would have to affect Rubik Marines so that they'd have a trade-off there. And also, if we're talking about adding wounds, we'd have to be careful how that's going to interact with, like, Death Guard, because it's not like Death Guard are are too easy to kill now. True, 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 true. Well, and that's also... um, But that could give us one of these solutions, either, like, adding adding more wounds or making their armor tougher, yeah. reducing the damage they take, giving them, you know, treating AP as worse against them or, you know, making mm-hmm. them better against AP. That's a change that maybe you could apply to Necrons. Yep. Because that's when, you know, like make Necrons, like if you, they're survivable. And if you do manage to take them down, they still have reanimation protocols. But if Necrons, because traditionally Necrons, like in the previous editions, Necrons were just super hard to kill. Yep. Why can't they still have that? They need, yeah, no, they absolutely. And that would be that could go away towards bumping them back up. Yeah, but yeah, because right now the flexibility is not a fair trade off. the 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 points value is not a good enough compared to intercessors, and they're just not survivable the, enough. The other way to look at this, and I I don't think it's as good as trading in the survivability either with the extra wounds or the reductions, but maybe lean into the flexibility. So if you if you think about it now, the way that current Space Marine chapters are organized, intercessors are newer people, like newer guys, like they're in you know, and some have been converted. Yeah, but they're well, one has been converted. Well, and they've talked about like they're and because they'll move it forward. And yeah, but most 
most Primaris Marines are fresh recruits that came in as Primaris. Like, I will say, like, the novels that they're doing right now take place, like, 100 years after the Indominus Crusade started. Mm-hmm. So now that you have, like, one century veterans yeah. now. So, but, like, but you still have, but they're newer recruits. So your tactical Marines are not veterans, but kind of de facto veterans. Uh-huh. Like, they're still troops. So you don't want to move them out of the troop slot to elites or whatever. But maybe lean into the fact that this is a more veteran squad. Maybe double up the amount of special weapons they can take. Which is traditionally how, like, like if you look at Chosen in the Chaos yeah. Space Marine books, the, the, what made them different is they could take four close, like, four special guns. Yeah, yeah. give tactical squads ultimate flexibility. Yeah. Now, you, you, you want to be careful about how you make that work, how that, 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 that doesn't reduce what Stern Guard veterans or, you know, or Chosen or whatever do, but... Because I think they're limited to four as well, but well, change their well. I think I think I don't weapons. think you would have to change that in the chaos book because yeah. they don't have an equivalent of true. Yeah, of true. Primaris. Uh, but yeah, having something where like that would differentiate. It's like Primaris; they're tougher. They have better bolt guns, mm-hmm. but that's all they. But that's all they do. That's yeah. all they have. Which is one of the reasons, and it's that would also still allow Death Watch Primaris to have their specialty role of where they can have mm-hmm. that mixed. Weapon, because I was thinking about that on the way over here. It's like Death Watch Primaris are the best version of Intercessors because they can take a Hell Blaster in the yeah. squad. Um, but yeah, something like that where you could, yeah, it's, if yeah, that, that could be another way to differentiate it. I I don't think that, that is as good as making them tougher. But if you want them to be d- the differentiation to be the flexibility, lean into the flexibility. Yeah. Heck, let them take maybe let them take assault weapons or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Let them. <laughs> you but know, like, I, okay, so like Stern Guard can have two special weapons. Yeah. So I mean, you could make Stern Guard have have you know make let Stern Guard have four, but yeah, allow you to have like two heavy weapons and two, two special weapons. two special yeah. weapons that way because then two last cannons in a squad makes that squad a lot different. So you take two last cannons and and two multiguns and all of a sudden now you have a unit that can go hunt vehicles. Yeah. You know, and you, you then they have a more defined role that you can build them into. And Stern Guards still have better like Stern Guard have bolt guns that are better than in- mm. intercessors right now anyway. So Stern Guard would still kind of have their role without having like without tacticals necessarily competing for that mm-hmm. and and you'd still keep them as troops so they'd still be there as you know your an option for your troop tax yeah but giving them some extra flexibility and weapons would give them more defined roles i think so and then like if you could double up like if i could have yeah I, i'd say go ahead and let you have like four special weapons yeah. in a squad of 10 well, like you, two and it's have two in a squad of five, four in a squad of ten, and then combat squatting lets me either split them out into five bolter guys and f- uh, four weapons and a sergeant, mm. or two and two. I can you know I've got flex. Then again, flexibility because like Death Guard have the ability to take like three plasma rifles in you know plasma guns in a five man squad because the champ can have one, yeah, and, and then like, you get so yeah, lean into that. Just like no, these guys these guys are trained with different weapons. They they take. General weapons training, because they're more veterans, they've been around longer, they can use any weapons, so let's use more of them. We have plenty of guys that know how to fire a bolter, they're over here, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Speaking to leaning into the flexibility, why limit it to shooting flexibility? Right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Why why not give them more melee weapon options as well? Absolutely. 
yeah. I'm all for I'm all for more melee. Yeah. <laughs> and then let the difference between them and assault squads be assault squads have jump packs and yeah. these guys don't. Yeah. Right. Rather than having assault squads be these guys can have jump packs, but most of the time, but it's more expensive. It's like no, that's just the thing. It's assault marine. You are we strap a rocket on you and you fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you could take if you could give everybody like. Basically, words, you know, basically like, allow them to yeah. equip themselves the way Chaos yeah. Space Marines can, where yeah. they can do bolter or bolt pistol chainsword freely in the squad, yeah. and then also give them the, so how are they better than Chaos Space Marines? Well, they have, you know, well, they ha- they can also take more special weapons, mm-hmm. but then I would also bump up the number of special weapons that a Chaos Space Marine yeah, squad could, I, well, can take. So the big thing for me is that, and and I've long said this. I don't think there should be like, oh, why are they better than like Chaos Marines? Like, no, they should be basically the same. Yeah. Uh, Space Marine, Tactical Marines get and they shall know no fear and, you know, the Imperium stuff. And Chaos Marines get the differences. They get legions in the mark of, in the marks. Which like, the marks, unfortunately, right now don't do anything. Well, they, they unlock stratagems and yeah. stuff. But like, and also, that's your difference. Yeah. Like, they since they you know they they follow the emperor so they get this rule they don't so they get this rule and yeah. otherwise they're the same they should be, it should be and a mirror match be the same. yeah cuz it just should be like it makes it easier for everybody and it allows you a lot more flexibility mm-hmm. and that's really again with this unit we're going to say that that's, word over here because yeah. that's their that's their thing that's their that's their jam and it's what makes them different from like intercessors yep so I think that pretty much, you know, that for our first data sheet doctors, so again, th- these are a whole bunch of, you know, ideas on how these units, yeah. I, I don't think on any of these, there's one definitive way that any yeah. of these units could be improved, but these are hopefully some ideas that maybe get you thinking about, like, when you look at a unit and it's not performing properly, like, what is this unit lacking? And it can kind of let you know let you take either a holistic look at the codex and kind of see like okay well this needs this part or this part this thing does that job better which can you know help you pick units you know like depending on how competitive you're playing but also like hopefully maybe some people are out there listening <clears throat> and can look at these and like maybe beta test some of these options yeah. or, you know, like take a look at, you know, revisit this and figure out like, what are these units missing? Cause, and obviously GW has shown the, like with bolter discipline. Yep. They're willing to float these beta rules. And I think bolter discipline is a step in the right direction yes. for Marines, but it's not the end step. I think there's more room to go because yeah. the thing about bolter well, discipline is it's also good for Primaris well, bolters. No, no, no. Right. Well, but here's the thing is I think it should be though. Like yeah. space Marines, like this is their weapon. The bolt gun is their weapon. They should be able to use bolt guns better than sisters of battle. Yes. Or better, you know, and, or better than custodes or better than anything else because that's what they train in. Yeah. Same thing with their armor. Like you mentioned, they're wearing, you know, they're wearing space Marine armor and they're designed for it. Sisters wear similar power armor, but it's, it's smaller it's and it's, you know, they're, they're not so superhuman. Yeah. Some different. There should be some differences there. Um, yeah. So I think if they lean into the fact that space marines are just better than everything else, I think, and kind of work to incorporate that into the into the table, I think that'll. I think that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to take us over to hobby progress. I have finished putting together the first set of uh, shadow spear stuff, at least uh, on the chaos side. <laughs> I've got. Two more to put together, but those are for me. The first one is put together for the army that we're going to be <laughs> raffling off. So, uh, 
Uh, so that's that is the the next thing is to finish putting together the Abaddon that was yes. uh, graciously provided by GW via uh, peculiar game and hobby. Yep. Again, thank you to Pat for reaching out to GW and contacting his rep there. They and he was like. I'll see if I can do it. And like a day later, he's like, yeah, they're good with yeah. it. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and such a neat looking model. Yeah, it's such a great model. <laughs> now the question is cloak or no cloak? Oh, cloak. Cloak. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, cloak. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have the choice of heads. I think that's the, I think that's the more important. And it's actually a choice of faces. Our choice of it's faces. one head with but, like three faces. But I think that's, I think the face plate's the bigger choice. No, I think you absolutely go with the cloak. That's, yeah. that's not a question. It's just which of the, do you want, do you want stone-faced, perturbed, or... Uh, rebreather? Or rebreather. <laughs> well, I don't think you go rebreather. I think... Nah, I don't think so either. I think you go perturbed. I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so so getting stuff put together, I've been doing inventory on the Templars to figure out how many bases I need to get to mm. rebase them for. So, basically, from this point on, other than trying to finally finish up the town art that I'm painting for you... My main focus is for yeah. the next like month and a half is getting stuff, getting the last, you know, getting stuff built and painted. And that's for the fine. The tower right? will still be there when we're done with. Yes, it. So I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about getting it at this point. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so that yeah, that's pretty much it for me. So I've also put together Shadow Spear. <laughs> yeah. Um. All the all the chaos stuff. Um. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with the Primera stuff. It that stuff might go up on eBay. Um. Because I. I don't particularly like the models, and I don't know that I'm going to play Primaris. Um, See, I'm going to throw at least one box worth into my Blood Angels mm-hmm. army, but I'm going to wait on building the second half until I know how the unit, yeah, like the units are going to be slight. Because like when they release them in the Codex, like because right right now in the Shadow Spear code, like the Vanguard Codex, like a lot of the units are fixed at three models. Yes, and I know they're going to be like. Three to five, three to six. When they did, get into the final version, when they did they put them? Did they put them in Vigilus Ablaze? No. Okay. No, because Vigilus Ablaze is just chaos, just stuff. chaos, okay. just chaos stuff. Okay, interesting. I figured they were going to reprint them there Mm-mm. and nope. actually give them data sheets. Uh, as you tell, I haven't picked up Vigilus. Ablaze I, yet. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to have a Space Marine Codex 2.0 the way I we had it. Would hope so. Yeah. Um. So I've got that. I put them. I've also picked up Abaddon, uh, so I'll put him together when I get home. Um, other than that, it's been working on terrain and stuff from Midwest Conquest, trying to crank that stuff out, um, getting all that printed, and then start painting it on my side. Yep. So, I uh, I finished putting together the custom Booster Blasto. Uh-huh. Uh that I that I got out of the Speed Freaks box. That was went together pretty good. Um, and then I picked up the, uh, the one last, uh, wagon that I didn't have. The, uh, the Boomdaka Snaz wagon. I love the names. The, the, the names I, are great. They need to have an orc vehicle name generator online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, that's pretty much all I've gotten done. Okay. For me, Project Orion, I put it on hold to try and get the, um, little, Hobby saw, and I got one come in, but the blades were just very. It was very, not a razor saw, but then no. I looked at what you actually had to do, and I'm like a razor saw would be a bad choice for what you need to do. So I just need to get some big files and just spend time filing. Yep. Be yeah. sure to wear a mask. Oh, I've got the mask <laughs> okay. upstairs. I do that for all the times I work on it. Okay. So my goal is to hopefully, well, not this weekend, but maybe next week, 
go out get a big file so I can actually start on that because I don't know how long it's going to take me to file things down. It it won't. The re- resin is surprise, especially like with a good grit sandpaper or a file. Resin is softer than you might think, so yeah. it it'll it'll go relatively quickly. Yeah, good because I want to get and also I'm hoping we finally are in the good weather stays here. Yeah, time frame because. We've only had like one or two good days in the past couple of weeks. For well, it hasn't either been like, freezing or raining. Right. So for good for priming things gold. Or too windy or. Yeah. What's that like? I know. Sorry. <laughs> but so, I, so, I, I, I only have so many times I, to get I my will, digs in, in I will say after you file it, I would still get a fine, like a fine grain sandpaper mm-hmm. just to do kind of a final touch up and smooth it out. Yep. So it doesn't have like a lot of file mark on it. Or is this for an interior this piece? This is an interior. Oh, just to get glue. Piece? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then well, you then actually you... want it rough. Yeah, you yeah. do want it rough because yeah. then it'll hold the glue better. So see, yeah. So I'll be fine. I'll just but rough it, like, it up. But if you if you ever have to use these on like an exterior piece, right. yeah, just touch up with some fine. Yeah, because this is just I need to get them thinner so they'll actually the top and the bottom will sit together okay, as opposed there. to kind yeah. of not not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Adventures in Forge World models. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps us up for this show. Um, we've got plenty of more data sheet doctors coming up ahead. There's plenty. Yeah. I think there were something like 30 or 40 units that ended up making the list with a number having multiple mentions. That's the, the lovely part about this game. It's so big and complex. There's so many units that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always stuff to, to work on. Yeah. So, so look forward to more of these episodes. Uh, interspersed when GW isn't releasing new books for us to look at, and we'll have an FAQ episode. Like we're oh, going to talk yeah. about the FAQ. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, soon, I'm with you I'm that sure. the FAQ will probably come out the day this episode hits. So, yeah. and everything will, or right afterwards, and everything we will have said in the listener section will be inc- will be invalidated, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe some of the stuff we just <laughs> talked about will be included. You mean they're gonna? You mean they're gonna announce that they're releasing uh, Arena in a half set? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was more thinking that maybe Land Raider changes. Yeah, that would be nice yeah. too. No, that would be awesome. All right. So, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night, good gaming, and there's some good units out there that just need a little bit of love. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.